Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. As we launch here into the first hour of the program with some disturbing news that, well, you probably guessed would come about eventually. The Associated Press reporting that a national safety group is advocating a total ban on cell phone use while driving, saying the practice is clearly dangerous and leads to fatalities. States should ban drivers from using handheld and hands-free cell phones, and businesses should prohibit employees from using cell phones while driving on the job, say the congressionally chartered National Safety Council. Uh, taking those positions for the very first time. The group's president and chief executive likened talking on the cell phone or talking on cell phones to drunken driving, saying cell phone use increases the risk of a crash fourfold. In an interview, she said, when our friends have been drinking, we take the car keys away. It's time to take the cell phone away. Except there are millions, probably, you know, 100 million cell phone users in America. And that, that's an old number that I remember. It's got to be an like, old number. Uh, there are maybe at least 100 million cell phone users. And I'd say that um, the, even even the people that sort of use cell phones irregularly, they have it in the car. If they right. only have it in the car for emergency purposes, it's that's you know the, the car is the place for the cell phone. Originally, these things were called car phones. It's probably safe to say there are millions of people right now using their cell phone while driving. And it's just not likely to be the case that there are millions of people who are drunk driving right now. There may be a handful, you know, there may be a million people that have had a drink or two, but as far as people drunk driving, I don't think that there are millions of people drunk driving on the roads right now. I obviously have no way to prove my statements. It's just intuition. I know that some they people have, have no said, way to prove otherwise either. That's the thing. Uh, you know, the, the, the idea that, um, you know, somebody who's at point zero eight alcohol level is somehow dangerous on the road. You know, maybe their actions are slow, but I'll tell you what. So are the 70 year olds and they're all over Florida and they're big Lincoln, big late model Lincolns and uh, Buicks and things like that. Well, who's calling to ban old people drivers? Yeah, well, you couldn't. Uh, because they it's, vote. it's a state law and they vote. Yeah. So uh, so I just don't believe that, first of all, I don't believe that cell phone use while driving is anywhere near having five drinks in driving. Don't even think that's even in the same category. But yet that's what this woman is suggesting, the uh, lady in charge of the National Safety Council. They say that the total ban could take years, acknowledging that 17 states and the District of Columbia have restricted or banned cell phone use by novice drivers. Public awareness and the laws haven't caught up with what the scientists are telling us, she said. There's no dispute that driving while talking on your cell phone or texting while driving is dangerous. Now, I could imagine that texting while driving could be far more dangerous as opposed to talking on a cell phone because... When you're texting, you pretty much have to be looking at the right. The Unlike typing, um, you can't uh, text. It, it is a rare trait. I'm not going to say you can't. It is a rare trait of the person who can text without looking at what they're typing or their fingers or, or one or both. Exactly. But if you're on your cell phone, 
If you're just holding the phone, you can still be distracted by what's going on in your ear, but at least your eyes are actually on the road in that particular case. And if we're going to begin banning distractions in cars, then why don't we begin at the beginning and ban the radio? from cars. Now, of course, I'm not seriously in favor of these these things that would hurt that would harm our radio program. But but the reality is radio, people have been changing channels on their radios for a long time. Perhaps we could leave radios in the car but mandate that they stay on the same channel the entire time they're uh, they're in their car. No you've more clearly, channel surfing. You've clearly never been in a car with me while listening to the radio because I get very involved in what's going on with the radio. I, t- I yell back at the thing. I, I, I put together a, 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 I call it rehearsing. But in fact, I'm just screaming to myself. Um, you know, so I get rather distracted. So you're saying that the, the act of listening to the radio, even on one channel, is distracting to you? It, it, it's true. And if um, if it's music, sometimes music will cause uh, a person to drive differently. For instance, I know when uh, at one point when Bawa to Ba, I believe is the name of it, uh, the Kid uh, Rock Kid song, Rock. Okay. Um, when that was popular. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry, you know the the, the classic the the, cla- uh, the oldies uh, music that I listen to. The the Bawa to Ba would come on. I would I'd start stepping on that gas a little more. I would yeah, be driving more aggressively. Music. Yeah. Mm. So. Music dangerous. Isn't the, isn't the radio the number one cause of distracted driving? Because I've mm. seen lists that try to rank the things that are the biggest distracting it's been a while since things I've seen in the car lists. that lead to accidents. And I'm pretty sure cell phones were like number six or seven, and the radio was near the top. It might not have been number one, but it is a big distraction. I mean, the fact is, if you take a moment to uh, look down at the radio as you're changing channels, and that's the moment that the person who you happen to be following in traffic happens to slam on their brakes... Well, the You've argument lost th- a significant it lost a significant chunk of your reaction time. The argument there, and I agree with you, but the argument there would be that uh, cell phones distract the entire um, length of the conversation, whereas the radio is just a brief distraction. I'd say it's a bigger distraction. Um, but the, 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 I think the point that you made earlier that millions of people are on the roads right now driving while talking on the cell phone and they're not causing accidents. That's right. They're driving safely. They may be driving slower. I have found that. Their reaction time is certainly slowed to some extent. But when you expect the other person in the other car to drive well and drive like you do, you are putting an expectation that is not going to be uh, reciprocated. It's just not going to happen. Sorry, people, even at their best, are not going to drive as well as you would like them to. The council examined more than 50 scientific studies before reaching its decision. One was a study by the Harvard Center for Risk Analysis that estimates 6% of vehicle crashes, the equivalent of 2,600 deaths and 12,000 serious injuries a year, are attributable to cell phone use. Now, I don't know what that really means. When they say that it's attributable to cell phone use, what does that mean? Because they used to say that if it's a drunk driving fatality or a drunk driving accident, it could count if the person in your passenger seat was drunk. They could count that as an alcohol-related fatality. So just because it's a cell phone, uh, if it's a uh, attributable to cell phone use, I don't really know what that means. But anyway, they also claim that hands-free cell phones are just as risky as handheld cell phones. She said, "I hear that that's. Um, I've heard that that's nearly so. Basically, the only difference is is uh, the control on the wheel, and I I think that that's important. But I I can tell you that when I talk on the hands-free device, I can be nearly as distracted as when I'm talking on the cell phone. I am not saying that uh, that I think talking on the cell phone is the greatest practice in the world, but I do it." 
She said that it's not just what you're doing with your hands, it's that your head is in the conversation, and so your eyes are not on the road. Well, now, wait a minute. Your eyes are on the road, even if your head's in a conversation. Sometimes when I'm by myself driving, I'm thinking to myself about things that are going on in my life. You know, if I don't have the the talk radio on or the music turned up or whatever, I might be thinking about the meeting that I'm going to, or I might be thinking about the meeting that I just came from, or I might be thinking about the you know the dinner I'm going to be having later to, <laughs> later tonight. Are, are they suggesting that you shouldn't be having conversations at all? Should you not be having conversations with the person in your passenger seat? Should you not be conversing with yourself in your own head? If you're driving by yourself, I mean, this is insane. Right. Where does it where does it stop? Because this legislation that bans cell phone use um, while driving, which is going to be that it's going to harm people. That's the fact. Some people will need to be talking on their cell phones at times. Important information may come across and things like that. Um, And where does it stop in the sense that, well, you know, the uh, I'm sorry, I've lost my train of thought. That's all right. um, the, cell phones. Where do the where do the regulations end? I mean, they're saying that you can't talk on your cell phone. They're they're pushing for a national ban on using cell phones. So well, why when, don't they ban these other things? When someone else gets, uh, if you get into a wreck and you've been on your cell phone, but it's the other person's fault, does it suddenly become your fault? Because mm. I can tell you, if you're drunk, that essentially that's the case. Yeah, you're, you're in big trouble. So now is that the, is that the case? You were on your cell phone. You could have prevented this accident. Um, and these that's pretty scary. These laws that prevent uh, they're supposed to prevent uh, distracted driving. If you can prove that somebody else was distracted in some way, they had a baby in the back, the baby was crying, mm-hmm. whatever. It's not good stuff. 1-800-259-9231. Do you think there should be a ban on cell phone use? would love to talk to you if you agree with that. 800-259-9231. can bring up whatever's on your mind as well. That's why we call this program Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, and they include the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com, edit virtually anything you see, w-i-k-i wiki.freetalklive.com. You know email's not secure, but privacy's dead anyway, right? Wrong. Introducing privacyharbor.com, an easy-to-use, secure email alternative. Sign up for a free account today at privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. That's privacyharbor.com. We continue here. They are talking about a a total ban on cell uh, cell phone use while you're in the car, while you're driving. And the National Safety Council, some government bureaucracy, had been assigned to look at this. And, of course, what a shock. A government bureaucracy comes back with the uh, the response that, yes, we absolutely need more control. I mean, how many times have government bureaucracies, government uh, investigators come back after looking at an issue and said, you know what, we've, ha- we've had enough regulation. We need to slash and burn. We need to cut back on all these regulations. How many times has that ever happened? 
Virtually never. Yeah. And what would you expect? <laughs> right. So here they are saying, well, we've looked at all the studies, and uh, it says here that uh, cell phone use is dangerous because you, you're having a conversation, and therefore your eyes are not on the road, which is nonsense. Every time I've ever had a cell phone up to my ear, I've been very vigilant about keeping my eyes on the road. Now, yes, a conversation can be slightly distracting, but why is a conversation on a cell phone any more distracting than a conversation with somebody sitting in the seat next to you or somebody sitting behind Behind you, or a conversation in your own mind. Why is any of those any more distracting than the other? Well, obviously they're not going to ban any. They're not going to ban you from having passengers in your car because that would counteract uh, all of the laws that in, that are attempting to encourage people to carpool. So maybe they'll ban actually having conversations with people. Maybe they'll uh, have cameras on the side of the road that will start shooting pictures of the cars passing by to see if your mouth is open. See if you're moving your mouth, and if you're moving your mouth, you could be issued a ticket by one of the uh, the automated cameras. I mean, this is how insane it could get. Nobody realistically believes it's going to go to that point, but now they're talking about banning cell phones. So what's I, well, next? Well, I could see them banning other things. I mean, a lot of people will drink coffee while they drive. I know I certainly do when I'm on my way to work. How about eat a hamburger in the or something? Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I can I can see a case being made that eating or I don't really think drinking coffee is that distracting, but. If you're eating a hamburger in the car, I could see how that would impair your driving even more than a cell phone conversation. Right. See, what we have, what, what you know, what makes mo- the most sense here is to allow the marketplace to decide what is distracted driving and what isn't. You don't hear the insurance companies, uh, you know, complaining about cell phones, although maybe they are. I don't know. However, they could handle that through insurance policies. If you're mm-hmm. talking on the cell phone, we raise your rates or we drop you your coverage or anything like that. This is the place where um, it, you know, where the rubber meets the road in this uh, this issue. The government is never going to be able to figure out what is a, um, you know, where, you know, sort of the economics of it. What well, makes sense to to outlaw and what doesn't? From the from the standpoint of the insurance companies, it makes sense if you have more accidents, your policy goes up, and that seems the most fair system to me because yeah. some people can talk on the cell phone and be perfectly adequate drivers. Other people aren't going to be talking on the cell phone, and they're, if they're getting in accidents. What does it matter what's causing you to get into these accidents? It's usually an indication on your third accident in the last few years that you're not a very good driver, whatever the cause of it is. And I think that, you know, it should be left that way. If you're having accidents, your insurance is going to go up and it can go up quite a bit. Now, I'll I'll grant you that people um, in today's society are not held responsible for their actions in the ways that they should be. Not enough. If if you get into an accident and uh, you you cause damages and then your insurance company has to pay them, your rates go up, you continue to pay. And finally, the, um, you know, keep on having accidents until the insurance company cancels you. And then you get into an accident with somebody with a canceled policy and you don't have any money to pay. As far as I'm concerned, you are responsible for whatever some judge or, you know, whatever you know whatever the uh, you know amount is the judgment against you and you can't you shouldn't be able to file bankruptcy to get out of it or anything like that those people are owed more on the story here from the Associated Press. John Walls, who's the vice president of the CTI of CTIA, the Wireless Association Cell Phone Trade Group, objected to a complete ban. He said there are many instances where the ability to make a phone call while driving helps protect safety saying that we think you can sensibly and safely use a cell phone to make a brief call, said Walls. What makes cell phone use distinct from other risky driving behaviors, according to the bureaucrats, is the magnitude. There are 270 million cell phone users in the U.S., so I was way off on my estimates. It was, I think it was like 100 million at the end of the 90s. And 80% of them talk on the phone while driving. 80% of 270 million. 
So have car accidents gone up significantly since the advent of the cell phone? I wonder about that. Not likely. I mean, that's most of America using yeah. a cell phone while driving. It's, I don't see why the magnitude has anything to do with it. You would think that something that increases a given individual's risk of an accident by a big factor is more important that some, than something that everybody does but doesn't really increase your risk by very much. Maybe the reason the magnitude is so important, Nick, is because she's thinking about fines. Maybe she's thinking about all the money that the state could rake in off of fining people when they're caught on their cell phones. That's, that might be a good take on it. I mean, I'm sh- sure they will get a lot of fine revenue from this if it does get enacted. And, I, you know, I don't think there's any law prohibiting cell phone use in New Hampshire. I'm not really sure. I know there are distracted driving laws that mm-hmm. can sort of, you know, if you appear to be distracted, they can kind of get you for whatever they want. But I'm sure in states where it has been banned specifically, that they've taken in quite a bit of revenue. So people aren't stopping their cell phone use. If you're weaving all around the road, then, yeah, I think there's a reason to stop somebody who's but doing that. They have, a, they have a law against careless driving. Well, exactly. Uh, the, the one thing I can think of, I mean, the, the worst thing that's ever happened to me uh, being on a cell phone, the instance of distraction that I can recall is I was on I-75 in Florida once, and I was on a phone, I was on a phone call, and I didn't, I didn't hit my exit. That's all. I just missed the exit. Whoopie-doo. We continue with your phone calls. Cliff in Florida, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Cliff. Hey, so good evening, folks. What's on your mind? Um, uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for, for doing the extra last night. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, the guy that you, got, you guys had on, I forgot his name. Scott Horton. But, yeah, very, very good job. I couldn't have said it better myself. I didn't want to come out you know, sounding like a bigot when I, when I called you guys before about the same issue. <laughs> and I, and I don't know that, can, that tends to happen when we talk about Israel. Um, but, um, yeah, basically, he was, I think he was spot on. That's exactly uh, the point I wanted to convey. But anyways, going on to the uh, topic at hand, the cell phone issue, something, uh, something I don't know if you guys brought up or not, but um, wouldn't, in fact, uh, you know, banning cell phone usage make it more likely that you have an accident on the cell phone because you're trying to hide the fact that you're talking on the cell phone, maybe? Hmm. I think that's a possibility, sure. Uh, that's uh, spotted on me. All right, Cliff, thanks for the suggestion. 800-259-9231 for your input. I know cops are a big distraction for me, even if I'm not breaking any traffic laws. If there's a cop behind me, I keep glancing into my rear rear view. view. Yeah, and it it probably makes me a worse driver because you get kind of tense when you're being followed by a cop. Absolutely, and you shouldn't feel that way because they're supposed to be protecting and serving, but we all know otherwise. We all know that they're a danger. Right, so one could argue that you should feel that way or that it's reasonable to, but... It'd be nice to live in a world where you didn't have to be scared because there was traffic enforcement behind you. But Last year alone, 20, uh, at least 23 states considered some form of legislation to restrict the use of cell phones or wireless devices. They'll be pressing Congress to address the issue when it takes up a highway construction bill, possibly by offering incentives to states that enact cell phone laws. So it may not go as a national ban, but what they'll essentially do is put it down through uh, their their little deals that they have with the states. More coming up. You can take control. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. The 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. The features, by the way, include updates. You get signed up, and we keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Have you been looking to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adameve.com and get 50% off one item when you type FTL into the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off using the offer code FTL, like Free Talk Live, at AdamEve.com. That's AdamEve.com. All right, so 800-259-9231. Any more comments from you uh, on the automotive cell phone ban situation? You're certainly welcome to make them. It sounds like what they're going to do is the federal government is going to go to the states and it's going to say, hey, we'll give you an incentive if you ban cell phone use while driving. And that includes hands-free. So all cell phone use completely banned for drivers. And I don't know what they mean when they say incentive, but I imagine it might mean cash. Or maybe they'll give them sort of a reverse incentive by saying, well, we're going to cut the amount of cash we're giving you. Because right now, pretty much every single state, I think it's every single state, gets money from the federal government for their road programs or for their Department of Transportation. Now, New Hampshire gets a little bit less. We do the show from New Hampshire. They get a little less than most of the other states because they don't go along with the national speed limit. Legislation wasn't that what it's it was? the no, seatbelt seat thing? It was the seatbelt thing? Excuse me. So they they don't go along. National with it. speed limit that worked real good. The whole fifty-five miles an hour. Good idea, fellas. You really knew how to fix that problem. Here's another problem with this cell phone legislation: is with these Bluetooth devices. Now try to imagine you're a police officer watching cars zooming by at mm-hmm. forty-five, fifty-five, sixty-five miles an hour, um, or looking into other people's cars. You're trying to dis- discern whether somebody's talking on a cell phone. Now it's one thing if they're holding their hand up with the cell phone in their ear. It's another thing if they have a hands-free device. I could easily place the hands-free device on my right ear where it is obscured to the left side. Um, I use a a wired one as opposed to an unwired uh, one. There's, you know, the Bluetooths are out there. I just need a lot of buttons to figure out and stuff. (laughs) Um, Now, the, the Bluetooth ones, they're even more obscured. They're just tiny little things that sit on your ear. So now, as a police officer... Suddenly, you have to discern whether someone's talking on their cell phone by what? Them moving their lips up and down? Okay, so anybody who's singing on the radio, yeah. chewing gum, uh, talking to themselves, uh, talking to somebody who may may not be, uh, you know, what, what if you've got a kid in the car, you're talking to the kid, the, the officer decides, oh, well, they must be on their cell phone. Whoop, whoop. This is an excuse to pull, pull every yeah. person that they find over. They don't have to kick your taillight in anymore. Mm, we they thought you were talking on a cell phone, sir. Give us your ID anyway. Uh, you're awfully black to be in this neighborhood. 
Yeah, or you're white, absolutely right. For that matter, it does happen, by it, the way. It you totally can get pulled is. over for being white in a certain neighborhood. It's it's just a pain in the butt. Well, and it is an excuse to pull people over because I mean just think about it's so dangerous. I'm just trying to think about how dangerous the it is cause to enforce they have. this. They, they have then probable cause. I saw the person talking on their cell phone. Um, they, you know, when I got to the car, the Bluetooth device was off their ear. Uh, they must have taken it. it and tossed it underneath the seat. So yep. they have probable cause for a search. Wow. This is a yeah. terrible, terrible idea. Uh, yeah, in addition, I'd like to address the issue of how dangerous the actual enforcement process is. I mean, Mark, you were saying that you were imagining having a state trooper or something sitting on the side of the road spotting people as they're driving by. That's kind of a difficult uh, process. I mean, unless you've got binoculars and you're able to actually track the individual who's approaching you, tracking moving vehicles that are 40, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour isn't the easiest thing to do from a stationary position. It would be easier to get a good observation point by pulling up next to somebody. But if you're pulling up next to somebody and you're looking over at them to see what they're doing to eyeball them, that's dangerous driving on the police officer's part, as far as I'm concerned. I, they I already do that all the time, though. I mean, sure they, they do, do scope you out. I mean, if you happen to look out towards the police car, if you see it coming up on your left, odds are good that they're going to look at you. Because odds that's what they're good, doing. Sure. They're scoping you out to see if they go by somebody smoking a joint who didn't see him come up or something but like cops, that. cops, almost by their very uh, existence, their very definition of their existence, cannot drive poorly or erratically as far as the government's concerned <laughs> they can't do it yeah. uh, if, if they're drunk in a police car going the wrong direction down an interstate they'll find them not guilty well, it's they'll amazing. get a desk job for a few weeks and they'll be back out on the streets sometimes that's the case sometimes but, obviously uh, you know it doesn't but too far too often the cops get off by the way, the uh, so again it does look like the feds are going to be creating new rules and the states will be encouraged to adopt them, and perhaps if they don't adopt them, then the feds will cut their funding. So the state government is going to have a serious incentive in that case to go and create these new rules, these new regulations, which, as Mark, I think you brilliantly pointed out, will result in more people just being pulled over for BS nonsense and harassed by Brilliance the police. Brilliance is my thing. All right, 800-259-9231. Oh, and since you asked about the insurance companies, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, which is funded by auto insurers, commented in on the story, saying that banning all cell phone use makes sense based on the research, but agreed that enforcement will be difficult. It won't so. be difficult if you just pull everybody over. You feel like pulling over. It just makes for enforcement of uh, of laws in general to be more arbitrary. This is bad. More arbitrary, bad. Well, Cut and dry, good. And the problem with institutes looking at it is they're basically being asked to say, well, would it make the road safer if we had these laws on the books? You might be able to make the case that, yeah, we might cut out you know, a small percentage of the cell phone-related accidents that do occur. But you could also argue that people could wear motorcycle helmets in their car, be required to do that, and it would cut down on head injuries as a mm. result of car crashes. So if the only thing you're looking at is, would it help to reduce the number of accidents or the number of injuries that just doesn't make sense in the real world because you could take all kinds of safety steps. Sure. They're just absurd and impractical. And that's what the government and a lot of these do-gooder institutes that try to push that nanny right. state um, legislation through, that's what they do. They only look at one metric of it, and that's safety. They don't look at whether it's practical or whether it will actually work. Yes, but, but, putting, uh, but forcing people to wear helmets in the car isn't going to be as lucrative as the cell phone tickets, and that's really what this is all about, isn't it? It's I all bet you about a lot of people would cheat on the on the helmet idea. Plus, you could slap a tax, an excise tax, on, on the, the helmets? required helmets. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I see where you're coming from, but this is easier. You don't have to force people to go out and buy something new. That could be a, a very difficult process to make happen. You just immediately change the rules. Most people are naturally using cell phones a lot, and so you automatically, because not everybody's going to get the word on this when they change the rules. So day, the first day, you set up a, a roadside sting, and you're pulling people over one after another, ringing that cash register over and over again for the state. And I'd like to just speculate for a moment on what the war on cell phone, on uh, driving with a cell phone might be like like just just let's think about this for a moment because mark you've already pointed out that you think that this will result in people being pulled over being accused of being on their cell phone then using that as an excuse to search somebody's car so we've already gone that far but what about this what about those dui checkpoints how about making them a cell phone checkpoint as well i mean since we're already stopping people i mean we're already looking for things they're already looking for duis they're looking for drugs now they're going to start looking for cell phones because that's banned open too. Co- open containers are outlawed in vehicles even if you're not drunk you cannot have an open beer in your car right. even in montana now even if it's the passengers beer. now the question is will they take that to cell phones what if there's a cell phone that's sitting on the uh, passenger seat next to you what if you have your cell phone sitting there well, i wasn't talking in that officer Hand it over. See, this could be what they'll do. They'll stop you at the uh, the DUI checkpoint. Sir, do you have any cell phones in this car? Uh, yes, officer, because, you know, people don't know. They don't know to say no. They don't know to, you know, not answer those questions. Yes, officer, I sure do. Well, I need to see it, please. And, uh, you know, hand it over to the gonna officer. Have, I'm going to have to ask you to see your cell phone. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna have, yeah, I'm going to have to ask to see your cell phone. Uh, hand it over to the officer. Officer takes it. Okay. Unlock this phone for me, please. All right. Unlocked. Let's see. Recent calls. Where did you? Where are you coming from here, sir? Oh, I was just leaving work. Uh, and where's work? Oh, it's uh, over on 10th Street. Let's see. That's about five minutes away. So maybe calls on the last. Uh-huh. Guilty. I see you called uh, your wife. Two minutes ago, sir. That's going to be a ticket, and I see Wait, your third offense. I was offense. pulled over at the McDonald's on the way in. Yeah, uh-huh, sure you were. Well, that's why they need the GPS. The GPS tied in with this will really screw people. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for 3 bucks a month. You'll get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. But the number one reason to AMP is to really help Free Talk Live spread this show and get on more radio stations around the country, as well as bringing more Internet listeners to the program and helping introduce new people to the ideas of freedom. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board. Again, uh, any major credit card, PayPal, various other options, amp.freetalklive.com. Mark, where are we going next? Well, I've got a uh, blog post from, believe it or not, I guess it's a BBS post. A BBS post at uh, bbs.freetalklive.com by one of our moderators. And I, I'm sure she doesn't know that I'm going to read this. However, I think it's a really good story to sort of, we were, you know, talking about cops and how things go with them. Okay. And I, I think that it's fair to... Uh, you know, sort of tell people what it is police do, as opposed to what it is that we're told they do. We're told they keeping uh, us safe. Yeah, but they protect and serve, whereas mm, not so much protect and serve, as they're kind of the cleanup squad, and they're not very good at it. Now, I, I don't know what how private investigators do. I know it's hard to solve crimes. I mean, it's not easy. You've got a little bit of evidence there, but when I think about, you know, I've uh, 
uh, someone's house getting robbed, and then I see two cops on the way home with people, you know, on the side of the road giving them tickets. Is that really protecting and serving? I mean, couldn't shouldn't they be out getting the the burglar? They're serving the state with fines, yeah, tax and and fees. So this is from Lindsay. Yesterday morning, I left my house to go to the salon to get my hair done. Within a mile of driving, I saw three separate (laughs) police squad cars with three separate drivers pulled over, all being written tickets, presumably for speeding or something similar. Yeah, usually, usually when you see that, you keep driving, you look down the side streets, and you'll see five more car, uh, five more cars just lined up waiting for people. She says she doesn't know, but it's really hard to say. Anyway, I got to the salon. My hairstylist was telling me about her Christmas vacation. Her and her husband loaded up the two kids and two dogs and drove to Bat Country in North Carolina and rented a cabin in the mountains. What is Bat Country? A place you go if you want to see bats. When they returned home, her husband's work truck had been smashed to crap in the driveway, and their house had been robbed. Come to find out, oh the next-door neighbor, who was watching the house for them while they were gone, rents a room um, to a nice little felon. Um, by the way, it's not all felons are going to do this. But anyway, to a nice little felon who just got released from prison. Across the street from my girl's house, uh, that's that's where the, uh, the felon is uh, renting. So the owner gets the keys and goes to the other property, and of course, they find some of the stuff that had been stolen. The jewelry, the Wii, the Xbox, and the other things of the like, of course, had already disappeared, but his 19-year-old kid had her 6-year-old son's socks, clothing, football, and other ridiculous things. Wow, they really took a lot of stuff. The kid's friends um, ratted him out. He's hiding somewhere else because he says people are looking for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The police. Well, what have the police done? Nothing. Not- oh, I'm sure they filled out a report. Maybe. Not one thing. Hadn't even bothered to fingerprint the place. Wow. Sorry, but her six-year-old child is sleeping with a baseball bat, and the police wouldn't even fingerprint the house. She said to me yesterday, I thought the police were here to protect us, but I'm not really feeling very protected. It's a shame that people have to find this out the hard way. Yeah. She says that's just one of the many things over the years that have um, helped me come to the realization that I don't think the police are quite as good as they're made out to be. And you They know, might want to be good. I, I think so, but they're not assigned to do things like this. You watch CSI, and you get the impression these guys are out there solving crimes. And I know they solve a crime or two now and then, absolutely, mm-hmm. but is it the most efficient use of these people? The, we'll never know because it's the government assigning, it's a bureaucracy, it's these uh, higher-up police officers who know that they have to meet budgets. They know that a huge line item on their budgets um, for, for the town in general, it, not only the police uh, department is supposed to raise more revenue than the department uses, but they have to, they're, they're intended to pay other things, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's what they are. They're a revenue-generating revenue machine. And it's a shame. That's not why people got into this business. I don't think that's why they did. I mean, I've uh, done a ride-along with Lieutenant Shane Maxfield here in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, where we produced this show. And uh, Sam was with me from the Obscure Truth Network at ObscureTruth.com. And we did this ride-along with uh, Lieutenant Maxfield. We had a nice, lengthy conversation. You can see the video footage from that at ObscureTruth.com. And one of the things they were doing that night while we were riding along, there was a break-in. At a local business. Somebody had smashed the, the front window at a local business and I presumably stolen some something and ran away. And so a lot of the officers, the officers that were on duty, were essentially canvassing the streets. You know, they had the spotlight on the side of the car looking for a suspect, right? And I thought to myself, yeah, this is great. These guys are, are actually in – right now, we are experiencing them 
them experiencing them doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that is looking for somebody who's done something wrong. Uh, now, of course, would they end up harassing innocent people while they're looking for this person? I don't know. I didn't see all that happen. We we continued driving around and had a conversation with them, and I don't know if that ever got resolved. I never followed up on the case. But it was nice to see them doing something outside of shaking down college kids and harassing the guy driving a beat-up car and the, the usual things that we're used to the police doing to our friends and, 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 and our neighbors and our family members, which is harassment, ticketing, and all this nonsense that you're talking about. So it felt good to see them doing the right thing thing and and looking for a real criminal but if they don't find that real criminal then there aren't really any consequences for them because if they're not doing a good job i mean they could try to find the guy and if they don't then okay they try if a pi is put on the job to find somebody and he fails to find it he knows that in the future he's probably not going to get any business from the person um, from whom he got the money to do the first job but if he does find them that he's not only going to get their business in the future to if they need it but he's going to get recommendations from them for for other uh, you know to other people now that doesn't guarantee that incentive doesn't guarantee the crime will be solved by the pi absolutely does but it does guarantee that he's going to work hard at it and more diligently than the government police are. And that he's going to be paid something closer to a market wage because I don't know what the, I don't know if the police would get paid more or less. I don't either. I suspect there would be fewer of them and that there would be uh, you know that they would be employed as uh, security on uh, roads. I don't know. I don't know how it would precisely work as far as uh, giving out tickets and stuff. I can just tell you how I feel when I go by and there's uh, you know there's a cop with somebody pulled over on the side of the road. I feel like my money's being wasted. Yeah, he could be doing something else like Lin- after a real criminal. Lindsay continues here, and um, just another sentence says, Mind you, I've never been in trouble with the law. Never been written a traffic ticket. Oh, give them time. I pay my taxes. I've, been ha- I've never been handcuffed by an officer. Nothing. Not one thing. It's not like I'm scorned because I had a bad encounter with Officer Friendly. This is the opinion of some girl who's never been in trouble and never had any problems. Yeah. And her stylist at the salon. This is what real people talk about and what real people experience. And real people Unfortunately, are. the name of police have been tarnished by their higher-ups placing them as you know, using them as a, as a revenue generating tool. They sure have, and these are conversations that people have on a frequent, regular basis. The people that I know, in my life at least, are not pleased with the police department. Nobody would have said this about Andy Griffin. Griffith. 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 Right. Whatever. They wouldn't have said it. Nick, can you relate to any of this? I mean, uh, do you uh, do you exist in any of the circles where the police are worshipped? I know they're out there. No. I know there are those circles, but I they're not close to me. No, uh, most people I know are not either not impressed with what the police manage to do, or they're sort of scared of them. Not necessarily because they break any serious laws, just because the police are there to pull you over and Who give you a traffic ticket? ticket. I mean, in practical terms, they're essentially there to find a reason either to arrest you or to fine you. And at the very least, if they can't do either, they're going to waste your time by pulling you over and trying to find a way to ticket you or arrest and you. And many of them try to be very fair. I can tell you I've been pulled over a few, quite a few times and gotten warnings. And I think that, it, you know, it's, it, it seems fair to me. I think that the people that are on the feet on the ground are the best that they've got in the police department. Not all of them, but some of them. It's it's the fact that their higher ups are placing them out there to be doing this. Yeah, but you probably got a warning because they had already written however many tickets they were expected to write. There is an expect I don't know if they have 
quotas exactly, but there is an expectation on them to write a certain number of tickets. And if revenues are down, they're going to tell them, go out there and ticket everyone you pull over. It's really the luck of the draw more than them being nice or not being nice. I would I also say that I have, a, I have the appearance of one of the respectables. Um, you know, I, I'm a 37, 38, I don't know, a year old guy with a short haircut and a, sh- a shaven face. Now, I don't drive the nicest car in the world because, well, I've wrecked the, the nicer cars. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think that they, that kind of gives them pause. One of the things that could go a long way to changing this situation is changing from this coercive model of the authoritarian state that we have to one that is funded by a voluntary means to where if you feel as though the police department is providing value to your community, then you would contribute whatever X amount that they determine that everybody should contribute. If, if, you know, Here's what we're asking for. We'd like you to give this to us, but if you think we're not doing a good job, then you don't have to pay. That would make, it, that would make a huge difference right there. Or at the very least, eliminate fines. I don't know why you have to pay money to the state. 1-800-259-9231. Your ideas, you're welcome to share them. Hour two's coming up. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. We're launching here in hour number two of the program. Take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. That toll free number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. All right. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com where the features are completely free. I want to jump into the email box here. Pete emails to say, hey, guys, I wanted to write in with a comment about the bigot who called in to Free Talk Live last night and the way you dealt with him. I appreciate that you guys allowed him to ramble on with his nonsense and that you allow anyone to call in and say whatever it is they wish. And I also appreciate that it's hard to tolerate bigotry. I really very greatly appreciate that you tried to get Scott to see that it's the statist part of the Jews that he spoke of, that it's the pro- that is the problem and not the fact that they're Jewish. It's very difficult to try to stay rational when dealing with someone who's as off as a bigot. It's much like talking with statists who have no understanding of or appreciation for freedom, economics, etc., However, we deal with those people so often, they're in the majority, unfortunately, that we become used to stomaching their disgusting... That's the statist people, not the, not the bigoted people. The statist people, correct. Uh, we become used to stomaching their disgusting, ignorant prattle long enough to try to give them a little food for thought. He d- defines what a statist is at the bottom of the email. Could you quickly run into that, just in case somebody doesn't know what a statist might be? His definition is, I call anyone who believes in the legitimacy of the state and utilizes it to force their agenda a statist. Ian, I know that you're not the type to hang up on someone who's bringing up something that's not politically correct just to keep up appearances as a radio talk show host. Anyone who's been listening to you will know that's not the case. You clearly have no problem being iconoclastic and have a tough time stomaching bigots. However, I do think that uh, I do think that to these confused little morons out there that share Scott's perspective, and in case you missed the call, uh, you can tune into last night's episode of freetalklive.com, uh, where this Scott character, and I think it was actually his second time calling in, was just spewing anti-Jewish hatred all over the place. So uh, he says that uh, for, for those that share his perspective, they might see you as hiding behind your disgust because you can't combat the unpleasant truth that they no doubt think they're speaking. 
or to some especially paranoid, they may even suggest that you're in on it and just showing how FTL is in fact owned and controlled by the evil league of evil Jews. That's right. We're gatekeepers. You know, that's fine. I really don't care what people like that think about well, me. And b- besides, we gave the guy plenty of time to talk. We went into a, a lengthy conversation with him about the about the issue. Yeah, I mean, I, much longer than I would have rather have tolerated. I didn't feel that uh, we, we did a bad job. At least I didn't feel I did a bad job with him. Obviously, you were exasperated. But at the same time, I think it's okay if we play good cop, bad cop with people. In that case, it's a legitimate good cop, bad cop, as I'm not sure which one is the good cop, which, which one's the bad one. But I tried to talk to him about Look, it's the government, it's the Jews uh, that that are in power that you believe, or whatever. I tried to um, explain to him that, in fact, he didn't want to hear the government's that's the that's the problem. Jews couldn't bother you by themselves. It's the ones that you imagine are running the Wolfowitz or whatever he you know claimed. I don't know. And he believes they're all in on it, right? I mean, I mean, it's as, just crazy. It's it's nuts. I know lots of Jewish people. They aren't part of this cabal, this no. conspiracy. And whenever you you know make a generalization, you're always wrong. Yeah, pretty much. I, you can't generalize about a group of people, except I suppose statists like states. Um, but it, you know, when you when you make a generalization about an ethnicity ethnic group, you've got to be wrong. Pete goes on to say, you guys did a great job trying to reach him. Hopefully he'll think about your suggestions and the root of the issue. Whenever I deal with collectivists, I measure their logic by challenging their generalization with an exception. For example, if you had a Jewish non-status person in the room at the time of Scott's call, you could simply have asked this person, well, do you have any interest in controlling people? And when the Jewish person answered no, a logical person would see that their generalization is inaccurate. Eventually, one would be led to the realization that status, no matter what their ethnicity, gender, etc., are the problem, as they, every single one of them, would answer yes. If I might make a suggestion to your audience, if you ever find yourself thinking of people in a generalizing, collectivist way, consider taking a step back and seeing if there's any other common trait you can attribute whatever fault it is that you're thinking of. And I think you'll find that classifying people in bigoted ways is inaccurate. You're missing the point, wasting energy. And making matters worse. So, with the, the gentleman that we had on last night, if we were to have asked him some, if we were to have made that point, and I believe we did, we essentially did make the point that that not all Jewish people are out trying to control the world. I mean, it's just an absurd perspective uh, to take. And we even pointed out that he was making the claim that Jewish people control the most power in America. And I even granted him that one, even though I don't believe it's true. I said, well, even if that was true. What about the other people that are in search of power? Well, it's the way the Jews wield the power. So it's, there's no way that you can knock down somebody like that. There's no, there's no logical point that you can make with somebody like Scott. Right. He's created a boogeyman, and, and somehow the world's going to be better if, some, if somehow the Jews are gotten rid of. I mean, there's not an ethnically pure Jew in the world. Come on. <laughs> I mean, these, they, like everybody else, have been, the, the blood has been muddied, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows if there ever was an ethnically pure Jew? What, what, is, what does this term mean? And then I brought up the point, of course, that there's more Anglicans uh, in, you know, Anglicans being people of English dissent in government than anything and the presbyterians there have been more presidents that are presbyterians than anything i mean why aren't the presbyterians the bad ones 800-259-9231 if you want to comment you're certainly welcome to you know i also had an email from somebody who was very upset at us very upset for not taking that man seriously oh let me see if i can pull it up here it is uh mr mac mac emails to say hello 
I listened to my first show of yours on demand on your network today. I pretty much enjoyed it until you took a call from Scott. You guys flat did not listen to what he was saying. Disgraceful. When he said Zionist, you heard Jewish. Wait a minute. I asked him. He said Jewish over and over again. Right. He said Jewish a lot. He said he started out with Zionist, which uh, you know I'm I'm interested in hearing what someone might say because I my understanding of what a Zionist is, and I think that it often can be used as a cloak for somebody who just like dislikes Jews. But my understanding of what a, a, the definition of a Zionist is a person who is for the expansion of the state of Israel, and essentially at all costs. And I, I've seen rabbis talk about Zionism, so it's not not everybody who uses the, the term Zionist is anti-Semitic, but it's usually a big clue, especially when you com- put it together with other generalizations that they're making. The emailer goes on to say, big difference. Look at what's going on in Gaza. Get your facts straight. It's like when someone says socialist, every one of you goofs thinks communist. Big difference. It's just another example of being labeled a racist if you even dare to bring up the Zionist terrorism. You guys suck, and I will not be a listener again, sophomoric louts. Well, no, no doubt about that. Self-mark lads. Um, Good riddance to you, bum. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know the uh, just another racist, if you ask me. Well, I think that the the I think that the first email was sort of pointing out that we didn't uh, successfully communicate with this the, guy. The, the first email pointed out that we did a good job with Scott. No, nah, he did he, not entirely. He said, you know, he said he that said he did a great job. Th- with him. There could have there could have been some. He was pointing out some things that we could have done to uh, kind of hone it a little bit. And I think that this guy could have seen, you know, the light of day. This guy wasn't even listening to what happened. He heard us reject this guy, and that was all he heard, even though it was a a conversation that went on for a few minutes. And speaking of the devil, Scott's back on the line, uh, listening uh, to wherever. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, gentlemen. I heard you talking about me, and I uh, would like to uh, clarify a few points. Okay, come back and spew some more hatred. Go right ahead. ahead. I'm going to let you know something. America has been, I put on my thinking cap today, and this is what I came up with. Okay, all right. America has been destroyed due to the evil forces of the homosexual and the lesbian movement. Oh, now now you're going after gay people. <laughs> well, I'm not done yet. Pornography, socialism, communism, liberalism, radicalism, rampant greed on Wall Street, Hollywood, defeats in war, the complete destruction of morality, the control of our U.S. foreign policy, the civil rights movement, affirmative action, reverse discrimination, political correctness, racial equality, diversity, democracy. I hate democracy. I hate diversity. I hate equality. What would you call yourself uh, from a political standpoint? Wait, if... I'm not done yet, and then I'll answer your question. Okay. The, the United Nations, one world government, illegal immigrants, the Federal Reserve. It's Scott's manifesto again, right Jews... here on Free Talk Live. Hang it. Hey, you know what? We're going to bring you back, Scott, because I want to give you a fair shake here. We'll uh, continue this conversation. And you know what? If you've got a question for Scott, don't repeat the list. Uh, you start, start on the list where, where you were. We're going to start Scott. with homosexuality when we come back because I want to address that one. Uh, 800 I don't disagree with a lot of the things that he listed. Uh, he listed the UN. I'm not real fond of that. I'm... 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything... This is Free Talk Live, and if you want to talk to Scott, call in now. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you've got a question for the bigoted, paranoiac Scott, uh, you're welcome to dial that number, 800 800- 259 
What are you creating bridges here? Tis, bridges here, my friend. Him. I'm not interested in creating a bridge with this guy. 800-259-9231. I would like to continue the conversation to try to have some sort of uh, comprehensive as to how his mind works. So we've held him through, and we're going to bring him back on here shortly. But first, I want to tell you about SACL CAI. They have a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL C-A-I. So, oh, and yes, our website, free, all the features, enjoy, freetalklive.com. All right, so we bring Scott back. He claims to be in Massachusetts, but we have no reason to believe any of his claims. Because he also uh, claims to be listening on WKBK, which is our local uh, talk station here in Keene, New Hampshire, from where we do this show. Number one, the signal doesn't really reach to Massachusetts, A. And number two... Uh, number two, it's a Saturday-only affiliate, so we're not on WKBK tonight, Scott. Why are you, why are you telling lies to my call screener? Well, I, I thought that you, I saw you, and then I heard that you were on, and I tried to get your signal, and I didn't get it, but I assume that you're on every night of the week, so, so, uh, I, I made see. a mistake. Okay, well, when somebody asks you how you're listening, you should yeah. tell the truth. All right, uh, now then. So, now that we know you're a liar, what is it, I uh, think this is going to be one-sided, but go on. You claim that uh, the America is falling because of a laundry list of different things. And That's right. You, surprisingly, you didn't list the Jews at the top. You listed I'm not homos- done yet, but I'm not done oh, yet. Oh, you've got more? I'm sorry. Let's let you yeah. finish the laundry list. Go ahead, Scott. You and want me to start from the beginning? We've already got I, calls. No, I, I prefer Pe- not. Um, people actually actually start, to you, you know, people that have been listening got to hear it, uh, so just well, start where you were. Well, uh, you want me to just start at the beginning? Yeah, you just I'll... start where you left off, Scott. All right, well, uh, let's see. Political correctness, racial equality, diversity, democracy, the United Nations, uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, the illegal immigration movement, one world government, and uh, as far as I'm concerned... Uh, and many other uh, right-thinking Americans like myself, the Jews are the cause of America's evils. What, when you say you're a right-thinking... All of them? Amer- hold on, wait, did you say all of America's evils? <laughs> I would say, uh, yes. So you're uh, saying they it, created it, all those bad things, like the United Nations, the Federal The Jews are sending the Mexicans across the border? They played a tremendous role. It would take a, many shows to go over each individual thing, but uh, <laughs> if, if you people, if you gentlemen want to get educated... And you want to get educated. It's very complicated, anti-Semitism. It's a lot more than just hating Jews. Uh, you <laughs> need to read books like The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. Which is a fraud, by the way. What's, no, that's not a fraud. Yeah, it, it, wasn't actually, it wasn't actually published by Jews. Read, did, are you familiar with the work of Henry Ford? Uh, I, I know he made some cars. Ford. I know he's an anti-Semite. Yeah. Henry Ford was a genius, and he published The International Jew, which appeared in four volumes from 1920. Was Einstein a genius? What's that? Was Einstein a genius? Uh, In his Uh, own way, yes. Okay, thank you. Hitler was a genius. (laughs) Hitler was a genius? Hitler wrote Mein Kampf, and and the book's not a nutjob book. So uh, I haven't read it, but it's a um, very poorly, it's not a nice book to read. So are you going to advocate burning people in ovens right now? No, no. What I'm going to say is What should we do with the Jews? I... They control much too pow- much power in the United States. Let's begin with U.S. foreign policy. No, 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 yeah. no. The question we have was, a lot of callers. Mark, what are what the Mark's question for you was? What do we do with the Jews? The Jews need to be neutralized in this country. Neutralized. What does that we mean? Have, Can you get a little de- more detailed on that? Neutralized point? is a very vague term. 
You're waiting for me to say to put them in the oven. I didn't say that. You, I'm nudging you. You get to say. You yeah. are now the supreme dictator of the United States of America. You're the new Poof. Hitler. What can you do? What are you going to do to solve our, uh, our Jew infestation? Uh, first of all, they have to be taken out of Wall Street. Okay. They have to, Wall Street has to be cleaned up. Uh, now, is this a hundred percent Jew, ninety-eight <laughs> percent Jew, seventy-five percent Jew? I or? would say I would say about. Uh, I didn't say every banker's Jewish. I'm saying that the big boys on Wall Street are no, Jewish. No, no. My question is, if seventy-five percent. So, so if oh, I am God. Jewish, uh, like I call myself Jewish because my mom is Jewish, and I think that they do that. Um, am, am I then Jewish, but my dad wasn't? So I'm fifty-fifty. I mean, is, does that make me Jewish or not Jewish? If you have one mother and uh, one father, uh, you're, uh, if you have Jewish blood, you're Jewish. Any Jewish blood? Like a drop of Jewish blood? Kind of like a black person? Just like Negro blood. Wow, this guy. Is this guy for real? Now, what if, what if, now this happened to one of our uh, co-hosts. Uh, he, he took a DNA test, and uh, he found out that he was a couple percent black. The guy doesn't look black at all. He's not a black guy. I mean, he's just not. It, um, but he would be by your definition. What if today you yeah. took a DNA test and it came out that you were two and a half percent Jewish? <laughs> He'd kill himself. Yeah. What would you uh, do? Really? Jews are not a religion; they're a race, and and people get that confused. Okay. And, uh, and That's not an answer to the question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> are they ethnically the same as a lot of Arabs? Let, let him answer the question. I can see you think that it's a laughing stock. I, well, I'm, uh, I'm asking you a, you a stock, question. Sir. What's that? I'm asking you a question. Yes, go on. If Ask your you, uh, if if you took a DNA test today and it came yeah. back that you were two and a half percent Jewish, what would you do? Because you don't know. I mean, you know, cows jump fences all the time. Humanity. That's right. You are right. Humanity has had inter inter race relations for years. Yes. Uh, and uh, and and all the races, I do believe, to a certain extent. Are uh, are mixed. You would, you, uh, except unless you go to a place like Germany, where you're of Aryan descent, uh, and the, the Aryans are the purest of the pure. The of Germans the white race. are largely mixed people. Actually, after the occupation, after the Second World War, the Russians took care of that pretty quickly. You That's still right. haven't answered the question. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, you've got a drop of Jewish blood. What do you do? I guess I'd have to live with it. Unfortunately, I, guess I mean, would you stop preaching out against Jews? No. Okay. I hate myself. We're going to go to the phone calls here. Uh, Scott, uh, you're on with Scott. I think this is Dan in New Jersey. Dan? Yeah, it is. This you're on is with Dan Scott. In New Jersey. Hey, Scott. Um, <clears throat> my question for you is um, you've, you've named a lot of people that are wrong uh, in society, and that, that's, that's good. It's good to know who your enemies are. Um, but my question is who's right? Who, who's, who in um, you know, today's political scene or uh, who in in uh, the media would you say has has just got it spot on? I'm going to be frank with you. I don't trust anyone in the media. I don't trust anyone. At least I'm, I blame, I put lots of blame around. The only one that I trust, and I'm going to be frank with you, very frank. I'd like to see a man like David Duke come to power. Is he still uh, alive? I haven't heard I, about him in decades. I understand that it, the white the whites in this country. Uh, are, are basically the white are, are cowards, or they they let's be honest the Klan does not have the brightest. Why are you so obsessed? And, and thank you, Dan, for the call. Why why are you so obsessed, Scott, with people's racial designation? Because race race is the is what makes the world go round. 
What race, are you talking race, about? What is race, that supposed to mean? Race, race is what civilizations live or die by. They're superior races and inferior races. That's why the Germans, the Aryan races, were superior. He is out the of Germans his mind. Hang on, Scott. The war? Scott, hang on. We're going to come back because I still haven't gotten to talk to him about the homosexual thing. And we've already got another call for Scott. So if you've got a question for Scott, the racist freak, 800-259-9231. He hates, oh, well, pretty much everybody. Yeah, at least everybody who's not as white as he is. Of course, is he really truly white? A DNS, a, a DNA test will show. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features include the Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. Uh, to see what that's all about, that's shrine.freetalklive.com. The uh, shrine does have women of different racial origins on it. Warning. And uh, so people like Scott should be warned because people like Scott just can't handle the idea that somebody might have a different uh, amount of pigmentation in their skin or have come from a different part of the world, a different plot of land. We go back to Scott, who is probably one of the most racist callers I think we've had in a long time on this show, which is one of the reasons why we're holding you through here. People are calling in. They've got questions People want to talk to him. That's the reason we're holding him through. Scott, are you still with us? Yes, and I'm not a freak, gentlemen. I'm not a freak and I'm not a... Well, when you, when you hate other people, Scott, I'm, I'm not trying to call you a freak here. I, I don't get to control what my partner does, uh, you know, and, and that, that's just the way Before that is. we continue with these phone calls, uh, Nick, you had, a, I think, a good question. Uh, well, I sort of had two questions. Number one, and these are two questions that come up when I, when I think about people who propose an anti-Semitic viewpoint. Number one, Scott, if the Jews are essentially involved in conspiracy to control the world and you think they're fairly successful at that... Why? Well, why were they killed by the millions in the Holocaust and persecuted before that even? Didn't happen. The Holocaust was a myth. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be able to go too much further with that. What about Jesus? Jesus was a Jew. Are you a Christian? Are Christians? Jesus, Jesus was not a Jew. I believe in British Israelitism. Uh, that's a complicated thing, which basically says, in a nutshell, that the uh, that the so-called Jews that Jews believe that they're the chosen people. Uh, of Israel, and by the way, the chosen people of Israel is one of the reasons why uh, the Jews have brought anti-Semitism upon themselves. Uh, the anyway, the, 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 the Jews, the people believe in the in the Bible, the Holy Land, are really Anglo-Saxons, and it's known as Brit- how'd they British. Get, how'd they get it, over there? They got over there from uh, from from the British Isles. They came over, and wouldn't and they get the sunburned? Jews, yeah. I could see you think uh, it's funny. I, I, I don't think it's very funny, Scott. Scott I don't think I'm your ideas ask, are very funny I'm at all. I'm trying to ask the questions the title that... of chosen people. They have no right to that claim, chosen people. Well, I, I, I think it's, that it's a silly, silly title. I, I concur with you. And I'd like to say one more thing, if I don't, I don't mean, mean to interrupt. You, you say anti-Semitism, uh, whatever. 
The truth of the matter is the Jews are, are amongst the most bigoted people in the world. Did you ever hear of the you are, You know what, Scott? Talking in that collectivist nonsense is absolute garbage. Just to all of a sudden just lump garbage. everybody into one category and say, because you're Jewish, you're bigoted. That's nonsense. So everybody is an individual, and they all yeah. make individual choices for their own lives, and each individual should be judged based on their own individual decisions and actions. That's it, and that's all. But I understand that you like to group people into categories. Categories based on the color of their skin or the plot it's, of land they were born under their religious viewpoint, and I'm I think it's, it's sad. I'm for white Christian America. Let's be honest here. But white, but, but what, is that? Scott, what are you being honest white about? White Christian America believes that Jesus was a Jew. So, and white Christian America has, it, according to what you're saying, and I'm not saying I believe it, has allowed the Jews to infiltrate at the highest levels. Um, so the white Christians are obviously colluding with them to some extent. So the white Christians cannot be trusted. Scott, the Jews have been in not only the United I mean, States. But before you go on, I yeah. am ethnically what you are describing. I am a white Anglo-Saxon. My last real last name is Edgington. You don't get much more English than that, okay? That's you, that's you, the, 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 what you just said between the Anglo-Saxons mm-hmm. and a, pre- preferably a Protestant descent. Yes, I and am. The, and, and or Celtic, uh, a <laughs> Protestant descent. And, I have a Celtic and, cross tattooed on my shoulder. And Aryan, the Aryans. When I, I mean don't know what Aryan, those are. I mean blue-eyed, blonde-haired, preferably oh, Germany. You lose there, Mark. I'm not that. No, not Norway, whatever. These are the people that are the superior peoples of the world. How come they have? Uh, how come the uh, the Germans lost World War II? The Germans lost World War II because Hitler made some major blunders. Uh, I thought he was a genius. You he said was he was a, a genius. genius a moment ago. He, yes, he was a genius. There's no question. But it's the old saying. He got involved attacking Soviet Russia, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it takes what many conversations do. But as I said to you last night, I believe communism is a Jewish invention. And if you don't believe me, just, uh, just pick up a book. Dot I don't Capital believe a word you say. Off. We continue with the phone calls here. Dana is on the line in Texas. Dana, you're on with Scott the Bigot. <laughs> Hi. I have, a couple, I have a couple of questions for you, Scott. We may yeah. only have time for one, so pick your best. There are other people hanging on. Pick the best. Well, I'm Native American, and I really resent what you're saying, but I'd like your personal opinion about us having a black president now. Get on the hot seat about that one, Scott. Yes, I will. Thanks, Dana, uh, for the call. It, it's a very sad day for me, personally, that Barack Hussein Obama became president. He became president because he's black. He got in on a wave of affirmative action and reverse discrimination. Uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton, the Urban League, uh, the National NAACP, the Anti-Defamation League of the B'nai B'rith. All the black all, people, whatever. All got on the bandwagon <laughs> to push this, 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 this Fellow. black president on our... On our uh, Just on out our, of curiosity, if he only got in because he was black, how come Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and uh, what, what was the uh, black lady... Uh, um, Cynthia McKinney, um, how come they, uh, who did run for president, how come they didn't get in? They were black. They didn't have the support of George Soros, uh, and he is the international <laughs> Jewish financier who backed. Uh, he's ahead of Acorn, behind Acorn. He's so pulling he off didn't get screen. in just because he was he, black. He got in because he had Jewish backing, too. We he, could t- in, other, in other words, George Soros is the evil puppet master behind come, uh, it, behind. It, it, if you Barack want to make blanket, blanket ethnic statements, you could make the blanket ethnic sa- statement that a lot of blacks don't like Jews. Um, how that's, come that's, that's a so? Fact. That's a fact. Yeah, a lot of blacks don't like Jews. Look at the Reverend Farrakhan. Do you hate them too, Scott? Who? 
those black people the blacks that don't that like, Jews. like the Jews. The blacks that don't uh, like the Jews are, have been victimized by Jews through slavery uh, and through, uh, uh, through uh, the, a lot of the but projects you, they live in. They're the, uh, you don't the, like racial equality, though, so you don't, you don't think black people are equal to white people. I think that, that, that the, 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 the blacks should have their own, their own country. They do. Uh, they, have their own, uh, they have their own continent, but they want to live here. So is that a problem? Uh, I would prefer that they go to Africa. I mean, wait a minute. Wait, wait. He said he earlier wanted to neutralize Jewish people. We never really got an answer of what that meant. What, do you, what does neutralize mean, and what would you like to see done to black people in America, Scott? I'd like to see, to answer your question, I would like to see affirmative action eliminated. I'd like to see reverse discrimination eliminated. I'd like to see a white le- playing field for white people in a the white workplace. Field? A level playing field is a what level, he meant. Well, a, pro- pardon me. A level playing field in the, in the workplace. I concur it's, with that completely. I think that a, a, a person should be hired based on how well they can do. And I do think that uh, you know, affirmative action is, is a force, is force of government, and that's what gives traction to people that are bigoted, and that some of the bigots, uh, some of the bigotry would go away if they didn't have this force of government like uh, the affirmative action and that sort of thing. But that doesn't hold true entirely. So I still didn't get an answer to the question about what Neutral- does it mean to neutralize the Jewish people? Does neutralize that mean to cut off their genitals? What, I, know I know what you're thinking. You, you want to push me into the thing where I want to put them into ovens. I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say to you is this. I want them taken out of, out of the highest levels of power. That's what Henry Ford was talking about in the International Jew. But wait a minute. How are you going to accomplish that? I mean, if, if you believe that Jewish people are in the, the most powerful positions in the world, which is what you expressed to us last that's night, right. that's if right. you believe that to be true, then you must believe that they have some level of serious influence over the election system and, you know, the Diebold machines that you can hack and all the other nonsense. Uh, so what, what makes you believe that there's any chance that what you're suggesting could ever come to pass if what you believe is true, and that is that, uh, you know, allegedly Jewish people control the world. I don't, I don't, the question, the, the problem is this. You didn't answer There's, the question. Yeah, I'm going to answer He's working the on it. They're so, it's, it's so prevalent, the power that they control between APAC and Wall Street and whatever. To answer your question, I don't think it can be done. Great. Why don't you kill yourself? Well, well, uh, Good point. I so, think that'd be so a great talk thing. about it. I want to yeah, come back with more. <laughs> more people want to talk to Scott here. If you uh, want to dial in here, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Actually, I have a better suggestion for Scott that doesn't involve killing himself. It's not building bridges. Uh, yeah. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We give them away. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do so by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It's that simple. Used items, brand new, 41 categories in which to shop. Free super saver shipping on a whole lot of items. Get your shopping done and feel good because you're supporting Free Talk Live all at the same time. If you go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, we bring back our uh, bigoted caller here. His name is Scott. He has called in a handful of times. Apparently, 
Apparently, uh, the abuse that you had last night uh, was not enough, Scott. You're back for more, and now we're taking calls, people that want to talk to you. Uh, so we're going to go right into those All calls. Right. Uh, let's start things out here with, I believe we have Rusty listening in Kentucky. Rusty, you're on with Scott. Yeah, I have a question for you. I don't remember his name, but I don't care. Um, since you seem to don't you don't like African Americans, what about that young man who just officially executed by that uh, transit authority guy? What about that? Transit authority? There was a uh, I I couldn't tell you his ethnicity, but it wasn't white uh, gentleman. Maybe maybe Puerto Rican, maybe Mexican, maybe black. Uh, that was shot in the back while handcuffed by the San Francisco Bay Area Transit by by a San Francisco Bay Area Transit police officer. Is that okay with you? I did not say that's okay with me. There's racism on a lot of police forces. Well, and you want to take out people, so why not start with the blacks, like you said? No, you're putting words into my mouth. You're putting words into my mouth. I'm saying that instead of saying that I'm anti-black, I would like to think that I'm pro-white. <laughs> and I want, and what I want for white people, and when I mean white people, I mean white Christian people. I want a level playing field where affirmative action reverse discrimination, all of these systems across the board are taken away so white people can compete fairly in the workplace. Well, first of all, um, I'm going to call you gentlemen. religion has no color, first of all. Uh, I, you know, the thing about religion, and, I, and I'm gonna, it, there's a lot of conflicting views that I have. I've thought of this so many times in my mind. Uh, religions have caused more of the world's uh, ills uh, and wars, along with nationalism. I would uh, agree with that statement. I, I, I'm with you. That's the problem with this guy, is now and then he utters something that actually actually makes sense, the and then he follows it up with a bunch of hatred. Let, so let him go. There's so many things that conflict. There's so many things that, 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 that it, 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 I can't explain it. It's, it's, it's very complicated, but it can't be all. It's, it's, it's not what you're trying to pin me down black and, and white gray and whatever. A lot of times there's a lot of, I do see religion as, as a lot of, uh, if you go through history, don't take it from me, open up a history book. Yeah, it was the white Christians that killed everybody. Thank you, Rusty, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. We continue with your calls for Scott, the bigot. Uh, let's talk to Patrick in New Jersey. You're on with Scott. Hello? Patrick, you're on with Scott. Go ahead. How you doing? Um, yeah, I was just wondering, um, since America's been like a Christian nation for, you know, few hundred years or so um why is america so much shit oh no! we can't let you get away with that uh anyway uh, explain to me that again if, no if we can't really explain to that one because he was a punk uh we continue here with jake listening in illinois jake you are on with scott uh scott uh i want to ask you a question you 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 proclaim to be a, a christian now i would like to know what denomination you are protestant what what type of protestant Episcopalian. Episcopalian, really? Yeah. Why is that a shock to you? It is a shock. Why is that? Because I think you're Jewish. No, I'm not. Not at all. I think you are. Well, you can think what you want. And let me before before I thank you, Jake, I, I for the call on. tonight. No, no, I wanted to speak to Jake. Oh, I don't know if he's still there. Jake, you still I there? Yeah, uh, uh, Scott, tell me the tenets of the Episcopalian religion. The tenets of the Episcopalian religion. 
Yeah. Well, let me the ask tenets you. of the Episcopalian <laughs> religion, as yeah. opposed to the Lutheran, the Lutheran re- religion or the Methodist religion. How does the Episcopalian religion differ from the Methodist religion? Can you tell me that, Scott? They're all different Protestant denominations, and no, they're and they're all I'm asking you. I'm asking you how your religion differs from the Methodist religion, for example. Methodist Martin Luther created Lutheranism. Method, Calvinism was uh, John Calvin. I'm asking about Episcopalianism, Scott. I left like the church very things. early, and I don't really follow any. I, I may be there by label, but I don't really follow. <laughs> but I don't really follow. You're good at lying on your feet, Scott. Scott. There's you no doubt about it. You are Jewish, aren't you, Scott? You know, you can think whatever you want. But I want <laughs> thank to you, Jake, for the call. That, I think you got. You did you just get I'm caught Jewish? in another lie, Scott? Why is it that you think I'm Jewish? I want him to answer that question. No, for me. we're going to move on. Ask me a question. We're, we're going to move on from that. Did no, you get caught in another question. lie? I, I can't bring Jay him back. You. I'm sorry, Scott. I'm sorry. We can't bring him back. He's gone. No, I wanted to ask him that question. I well, can't answer why he Let thinks... me ask you. I was going to say to Jake that every Catholic in the church, if you were to say to him, name all of the indulgences in the Catholic religion, or 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 say to a Catholic, why is it that they stopped eating meat on? It's all right to eat meat on fr- Fridays. You'd find a lot of Catholics that would not, because they don't follow their, their, All their right, fair religion. enough. We continue here. Uh, Todd is on the line in Michigan. Todd, you're on with Scott, the bigot. Yes, I have a question for Scott. Uh, but before I get to my question, Scott, I just want to say you're despicable. Uh, <laughs> you, um, I mean, you are a poor excuse for an individual for spouting this nonsense on the air. All right, Todd, we've got to get to the uh, question. Okay, um, Scott, I happen to be um, Slovak and Croatian on my mom's side. Should I be shipped back to, say, Yugoslavia or Czechoslovakia because I'm not American in your eyes? You're white Christian. Uh, when I mean Christian, Christian what's that? So I'm the answer, Scott. What, what are you then? I'm a practicing Wiccan, Scott. What are you? A practicing what? Wiccan. 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 That's witchcraft or whatever. That's correct. You're Scott. really you're really nickel and diming me on all on all of this. Uh, it's a fair question. Should it be shipped that? back to I, Slovakia? Yeah, I'm a yeah, Pole, no. so I'd like the to answer, know too. The answer is the answer is no. Okay. Really? Why is that, Scott? Because you're Christian. I, I just told Christian. you he's not a Christian. I told you well. You can say whatever you want. You want to go back to <laughs> Thank you, Todd, you for the back. call. Now, Nick, as uh, the sitting resident atheist here in the studio and Polish uh, Polish descent, uh, right? Polish descent, there might actually be a speck of Jewish blood in there somewhere. Now, too. are you going to accuse Nick of being a Christian when he's an atheist? You know, you're really trying to nickel dime. I gave you a different viewpoint. On, on different, I think we're on breaking old things. Scott down here. No, He's losing I, it. I don't think no, so. I'm, I not think losing that... it. I'm not losing it at all. I, I, uh, I, I gave you my thing on why white people are, uh, are, 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 are being, uh, becoming 10th rate citizens in our country and, uh, and why Poppy this is cock. no longer a white, a white, a white country. 
You know what you should do? Here's my suggestion for you, Scott. You and your your white separatist brethren should really go and separate yourselves. Go find some county in Wyoming somewhere where you can all go and move. You can start yourself a white county project or something like that where you can all go and you can hate everybody else except for anybody who's 100% pure white. And you can pat each other on the back and you can finally have the uh, the society you want to and put up big fences so you can keep everybody out who, uh, who might want to – I don't know why anyone would want to come and join your society. But that would be my suggestion for you. Why don't you go and do that? Since you believe that there is no chance of actually changing, you know, the political structure or changing uh, society, why not just not go create your country. own society? No, that's a good question. That's a good question. White people uh, have become uh, too complacent, uh, weak-minded. Political correctness has destroyed everything. This diversity and equality do you think, uh, Scott, there's ever a chance that you could view people as individuals and judge them based on their actions? Do you think there's a chance of that ever happening in your life, or will you just always categorize people based on the color of their skin or based on where they were born? Uh, I, uh, I will always uh, – w- w- when you meet – I'll answer you. I'm going to answer your question. When I meet someone, uh, the, you may say, well, what, what's their name or whatever or – uh, whatever. Uh, when I when I meet someone, uh, the first thing that enters my mind is, uh, you know, he's a black or uh, is he uh, uh, Polish? You've got, pro- or you've got a problem. You need to you need to what, find help. Scott, did, have you You're had sick. any black friend, friends? Have you had any black friends? No, never. Never. How about Jewish friends? Have you ever? No, I don't. I I'm going to be frank with you, and I'm not mincing words here. No, you do. Uh, I don't. I I'm going to no, be frank with you, Scott. We're out of time. Get out of here. Pe- Enough is enough of that. I apologize to uh, Jefferson's ghost who called in for uh, Scott. I mean, if you want to hang on, we'll bring in in after the news. You can make your point. I didn't want to hold him through the news. Can't hold him through the news. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And considering we've heard from him three times now, odds are good. He'll probably call back with more of his hatred. All right, so more coming up. Hour 3 is on the way. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We continue here with your phone calls. That is the point of the show. You can call about anything. Let's talk to... Jefferson's Ghost, listening in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, you're on the air. Jefferson's Ghost in New York. Hello. I was listening to the show. Yes. And uh, it's my understanding that the elite's agenda is through uh, causing division via race, religion, descent, uh, what have you, all these means. that, uh, you know, I'm listening to this guy and I'm listening to you guys banter back and forth, but my question to you is this. Is, what is the motive for this conversation? For the conversation we were having with Scott the Bigot in the last hour? 
Well, my question is this. What is the motive for uh, having this individual on the air? Because it seems that uh, this individual, as twisted as his views are, um, it, it seems that it's almost... Uh, it's 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 like this this whole ordeal was set up. And oh, that's no. what I'm getting at. Oh, I see. You, uh, well, you're, you you think there's some sort of paranoid plot going on here, no. where like well, the elites I, I don't are controlling? Plot, but well, I see what, where you're what coming I'm from. Trying I mean, to, what what you think? Do you think is, that Scott converted anybody here tonight? I mean, there it, there are it, thousands it of people. Doesn't matter whether he did or didn't. It doesn't matter whether this guy hates every race on the earth. Right. But the fact of the matter is, the conversation uh, it supports a lot of division and. Uh, it's it's almost propagandish in nature. Do you think? Don't you think that there have to like some of the racial issues have to be addressed before they will heal, and that perhaps well, talking to problem. Scott. Here's the problem: people are paying too much attention to race and religion. I concur with you absolutely. I wish we'd all break wake up tomorrow, the same religion and brown. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, I have to disagree you know, with you, Jefferson's ghost. I mean, the conversation did not support division. Scott supports division. Scott is the one that supports dividing people based on racial lines and dividing them based on the amount of melanin in their skin and dividing them based on where they were born and dividing them based on their religious uh, preference. Whereas on this program, I think we can all agree that we believe individuals are individuals and should be judged based on their actions. I mean, are we all in agreement on that one? Then for Yep. Okay, so the conversation was not a divisive conversation at all, except for the fact that I wanted to divide myself from people like Scott. I want nothing to do with people like Scott. So does that clear, clarify things? Well, to a degree, but you have to understand with any sort of, uh, any sort of effort that uh, needs to use, uh, you'll, you'll often see where a portion of the truth is presented. Now, I'm not saying that you guys are... are perpetrating anything, but I'm saying that uh, the very nature of the conversation in and of itself is propagandist in nature. Now, what do you mean I'm by that? that? Well, I, the reason I'm saying that is because it's following a groupthink mentality. Where, Who is following a groupthink men mentality? Well, this is where I'm trying to, to go. What, uh, what's going on is you have, you have this guy over here with extreme views, and you got you guys over on the other side, you're going back and forth about all these race issues, religion, what have you. But in the whole scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. That everybody has their own views and that uh, it, this conversation, it, it's bordering on uh, being a, a Zionist in nature. Design. So yeah, what I you're suggesting here, let me see if I've got this straight here, Mr. Mr. Jefferson's goes, let me see if I've got this straight, what you're suggesting. Based on what you said when you opened your, your call, you said the elites uh, attempt to use race and other things like religion to divide people. And that, that may very well be true. I may very well agree with you on that. I think there's probably some evidence of that. I mean, if people are divided, they're never going to, uh, to realize what the real problem in the world is, and that is those who wish to control others and wield power. So I'm, I, I'm kind of with you there. But then you go on to suggest that uh, by – suggesting that the conversation was designed. Uh, you're suggesting that somehow Free Talk Live – is a tool of the elites, and we had uh, Scott on this program to, to to divide people ever further. Is that what you're getting at? Well, it's a possibility. 
It's not. And you're I, wrong. I haven't gotten the check yet. I mean, yeah. the elites have not written me a check, and I really wish they would. The whole idea that I'd do a heck of a lot better job of this than this of uh, you know whatever it is that they're they're looking for. If they can uh, get me out a, a yacht, a plane, and a and a bunch of uh, really hot bimbos, <laughs> you're driving a Dodge whatever. Shadow, right? I mean, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> the fact is, on no, that note, on that note. Yes, sir. Yes. Your, your station manager or the, the owner of the network, what is his name? Well, the owner of the network is uh, named Ted Anderson. Ted Anderson? Yeah. Okay. I'll be doing a little research into that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find nobody who's more uh, for, free, for your freedoms than Ted Anderson. Okay. Well, that's fine. Yeah, and, and the whole idea, sir, is this your first time listening to Free Talk Live? Actually, it is. Okay. Uh, well, that explains it. Sorry. Um, it's shocking sometimes. The fact is, we had a guy on who was a relatively articulate bigot, okay? And he, he wasn't pulling any punches. That's interesting to people. And we try to do a sh- We fill the, the spots between the commercials with interesting stuff so that you sit around and listen to more commercials. And That's what we do for a living. The design of this show is that anyone can call in and talk about whatever they want. And that's what that guy was doing. He got held on the line ex- a lot longer than the average caller uh, because he was so outrageous and people wanted to talk to him. So that's the only design on this show. We open the phones and let anybody call in about anything, including you. And if you listen, continue to listen to this show, I think it'll become quite crystal clear that no one has bought off Free Talk Live. And we get on this show and rail against the authoritarian state uh, and people wanting to aggress against their neighbors every single night on this program for the most part, as well as taking phone calls from anybody. So to suggest that we're corrupted or or compromised in some way by the elites is absolutely ludicrous right on its face. And I'm sure you'll pick that up as you listen more. And go ahead and do all the digging you want to. I think Please, uh, we, we have nothing to hide. Yeah, <laughs> let, us know, uh, let us know what you find out, okay? Thanks. 800-259-9231. You know, I think that the, uh, the conversation for some people went on just a little too long with Scott. And I, think I that's love what it when we bring the crazies that on. Was, that's, that's some what people really with love the crazies. Ghost. They really love the crazies. I, I didn't disagree with anything he said. He wants, uh, he what? wants to... Uh, Jefferson ghost. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Scott from last (laughs) You know, I mean, from a philosophical standpoint, I I, I think that the divisions of race are are nonsense. Yeah, and it does divert you from what actually matters, which is the expansion of the state. And I think that's the point. I think we were trying, essentially trying to get the same point across. It's just that Scott was trying to get the opposite point across. Scott was trying to carry through a, a divisive message, and we were trying to counteract that. So I don't really see where we were supporting a viewpoint where you divide people up by race i mean it's not like we weren't representing special interests to me i do have a problem with affirmative action the same way i have a problem with racism i think viewing people as affirmative action is a problem is racism right and you know i think it's wrong to view people as groups so it sounds like we're agreeing with Jefferson's I think we ghost. definitely are agreeing with uh, with Jefferson's ghost. The 800-259-9231. And in case it's not crystal clear, I wish that I could wake up tomorrow morning and everyone would be brown. I really do wish that. And I, I don't. Think that- no, I, I, but I, but what I mean by that is that then, then then they wouldn't have the race issue anymore. Then there would no, no longer be. I, 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 I wish, that, they, I wish they'd, we'd wake up tomorrow and everyone would be the same, or there wouldn't be any racial differences. I like the idea of the same color. However, there are some advantages to certain colors and certain. No, I, I um, like the idea of areas. difference. I think when I like it becomes difference. prejudice, it's a problem. I well, like the fact that there are German people. And there are, you, and know, you know, you're right. Nigerians I wish there weren't any racial divisions in, in, in people's minds. Yeah, I right. wish people, I wish people viewed each other as individuals. Yeah. But as far as different cultures and languages and races go, 
I, you know, if everyone were brown and was the same religion, it'd be a very boring world. So I understand what you're trying to say, but I I wish people didn't, weren't racist, basically. Well, yes, okay, I like that. (laughs) You're right, because if everybody were to wake up tomorrow morning and everyone was brown, then people would just start hating because, well, you've got blonde hair and you've got dark hair. I mean, they would, the hatred would continue, it would just shift somewhere else. Uh, so, yes, I, I agree, and I wish people would wake up tomorrow morning and come to the conclusion that individuals should be judged based on their actions. And that's all. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. More coming up. Your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they're totally free. So enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version, dial-up, webcam, all free at listen.freetalklive.com. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL at the uh, checkout. Plus, with an order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. They've got all kinds of things, uh, toys, lingeries, marital aids, AdamEve.com. As we continue and talk to Matthew in Tennessee, taking your calls about whatever you want. Matthew, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, I actually... uh... I'm going to the inauguration of Obama with my very liberal friends. Okay. And I wanted to, um, as I, as I have them trapped in the car, I wanted to expose them to liberty. And so I wanted oh to know what kind of a podcast or audio material you would recommend. Are you driving? Yes. All right. Wow. I mean, but there's a, it's going to be busy in Washington, D.C. Are you prepared for that? I mean, there's going to be a, tr- a tremendous yeah. amount of people there. My God. Yeah, I know. I know. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, what do you say, Mark? I mean, uh, the, uh, the uh, Liberty Glenn, Radio Underground. Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. Um, the the fact is, we're an entertainment show meant to yeah. uh, you know entertain, and and I would have some of us on backup, and you know, you know pick judiciously from the the the, the last week's worth of shows on the uh, left hand side of the page. We do have available the last year's worth of shows. However, you have to go through uh, BitTorrent to get that, and that's complicated for me. Um, but I think that Glenn Jacobs has uh, some really great stuff. It's more professor type, um, you know, things, but it's concise as it could possibly be. It's uh, liber- libertyradiounderground.com. That is correct. Libertyradiounderground.com. You might want to give those a try and see what you think about them. Okay. Um, um, and then I, I also had a. I wanted to talk a little bit about succession. Succession, yes, sir. Yeah, succession. Um, and. Um, so I don't really think – I think it's probably at least two years out uh, in New Hampshire. Um, yeah, at least. Cause, yeah, cause just because you need more uh, liberty activists there. So I wanted to start out by saying, you know, um, I think New Hampshire, what they should do is is, uh, is call back all their National Guard if there is any in Iraq, back to the state, and then um, also kind of like sever the ties between the National Guard and the um, the Army. I'm not against anything that you've said there. Um, I think that the I, I think that a national guard is unconstitutional. What we should have is a militia, as uh, outlined by the founding fathers. Yeah. But I don't think that New Hampshire's any you know the the people that are in power in New Hampshire and many uh, Granite Staters themselves are anywhere on the same page as uh, you or I or Ian uh, as far as uh, succession. Excuse me. 
um, you know, we're a ways off from that. Yeah, I, there's not even a conversation about and, that. And I don't even know. I don't even know how secession's going. The only conversation about secession that is going on is is when I have it. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's probably a few there. Uh, certainly, my buddy Nick, uh, who um, is a. It's not uh, from natives that I interact with. It's not on most people's mind. I have run into a few people who I hadn't met before. On a couple of occasions, they've brought it up, and it wasn't a political event. Um, and I have my friends will bring it up from time to time, but politically they're pretty close to me, so that kind of predisposes them to think about secession. Um, yeah. So, but I would say the general populace is not that much different than the rest of the country, and that's one of the problems we're up against right now. Well, wait, no, well, let's I mean, be fair though. Uh, you reported recently, Nick, I believe on Free Minds TV, which you can go and watch over at FreeMindsTV.com. It's Nick's television show. They also have a radio version, uh, Free Minds Radio. But I believe you reported recently that there was a Zogby poll that was done that found that one, about a one, actually a little more than one out of five Americans, over 20% of Americans, right now support the idea of secession. Peaceful secession. They believe in the uh, the right to secede. About twenty percent, eighteen percent, I think, was the national average. Believe that they w- they would support a secession movement in their state. So but I think that's a good starting point. I mean, it is a good as, starting point. That that's what people think right now. So if we can begin having this conversation more often and in more venues about secession on television, radio, and newsprint, on the internet, wherever we can have this conversation, the better because it'll put that uh, bug in people's minds and get them to start talking about it and considering these ideas. And then we might be up to thirty two percent, and then we might might be up to you know thirty eight percent or something like that. And we don't need a, a a huge it, amount of people in my life i don't see uh, you know i don't see secession as a viable option what i see more likely is that the federal government will under its own weight and the destruction of the currency actually cease to exist it has to happen some it's well, inevitable yeah. um, so the all governments cease at some point and it has to cease at some It'll point come on viable there will still okay. be a day where the legislature in new hampshire or vermont or wherever will have to say we're our own country now. Right. Well, the, the fact is the legislatures in those places, they aren't printing money, so they're, um, you know, the currency is not you know, not ceasing to become viable. And at that point, I, I think you are much more likely to see it. You, we still have a very strong federal government um, you know, yeah. that has a lot of weight over the states. Yeah, you know, um, I think that if, if there is um, – New Hampshire does succeed um, – I think – a great thing to really start out with too is uh is anonymous banking. Create you know how like uh oh, that's a great Swiss, idea. Swiss has that anonymous banking thing, but now they're they're really not anonymous, but uh become really the only country that has anonymous banking. In the oh world. yeah, it'd be huge. I mean the influx and of uh, money from people around exactly. the world would be absolutely tremendous. You're you're there's no doubt about it. I mean if you have if New Hampshire, or rather when New Hampshire secedes and becomes a, a free state, whatever that really means, but whenever the uh, you know the regulations are rolled back, the government drastically scaled down and hopefully eliminated, if I have my druthers, but whenever that happens, it will be the freest marketplace in the world, and that will result in incredible uh, boom. It will result in amazing uh, an amazing economy. I mean, the economy here is pretty good already. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. the best in the Northeast, from what I understand, but it'll be, it would be the best in the world, rivaling even Hong Kong, and 
and the the amount of investments that would come here, the amount of business yeah, opportunities that would uh, spring up be would be just uh, just it's almost unfathomable right now. Yeah. And so that's why this is such a worthwhile movement. I mean, the Free State Project moving as many liberty loving people to New Hampshire as possible because that's the end game to have the true yeah. a truly free place for people to live life how they think is best. And uh, and you know what? I'm glad you're out there thinking of these things, Matthew. And uh, as far as opening up those private banks, save your money. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one because a lot of these ideas are good. I mean, having a private bank, I would love that. I'd love to put some of my money in a private bank, which was secure and not subject to the FDIC and not subject to the IRS. But unfortunately, it takes a lot of capital to open up a bank, and I don't think that at this point in the game, we have the people, the activists, that actually have the capital that are willing to risk it in order to do something like that. But I fully support creating uh, competitive things to the government establishment. And when it comes to the issue of secession, one thing I wanted to point out is a lot of people do look at it as an either or. So they say, I'd lo- you know, I think the federal government's way too big. I think it's probably better that my state, I'd be better off if my state left the union, but just because of all the things that the federal government is doing. But they, they worry about defense or certain things hold them back on that. And if you look into different systems of government, it's really at least in practical world examples, there's a lot of examples like Quebec and Canada. They haven't actually seceded yet, but they've obtained a lot more sovereignty simply by talking about the idea. Mm. The Canadians handed them a bunch of home rule, and that's, you know, there is room for compromise, too, to at least incrementally advance in the meantime. Anything that we can take, uh, you know, I'm all for it. 800-259-9231. Any steps to freedom, all for those. 1-800-259-9231. Speaking of free economies, we'll give you an update on the number one freest economy coming up. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. Free Talk Live, you can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system. Over 400,000 posts await you. Lots to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That again, bbs.freetalklive.com. We were just talking a moment ago with Matthew in Tennessee about secession. You know, the idea of getting the hell out of this insanity of the federal government. Having a a state government actually successfully seceding from the federal government. It didn't happen successfully back in the 1800s. Could it happen successfully today? Well, it's certainly a possibility, and hopefully it'll be New Hampshire that goes first. But whoever it is that goes first, or whichever uh, state, if you want to believe in such things, goes first, I think I would absolutely support. I don't care if it's Vermont seceding off to turn itself into the socialist state of Vermont. I absolutely favor the idea of breaking up the United States of America. Now, the Free State Project is not a secessionist movement. However, uh, we are fans of the Free State Project on this show, and they are a sponsor of the program. So go to freestateproject.org to learn more about how you can achieve liberty in your lifetime by concentrating your activism. 
moving to the same geographic location as other liberty-minded people and getting active. Many of you are already active where you are, and that's great. But like, if you're like me, you found that your activism is, well, either falling on dead ears or it's you're finding uh you're you're dealing with prospects that seem like really great prospects for liberty but nothing ever happens with them they never do anything they never take any action on their own and if it's all frustrating to you then you really should look into the free state project if you want to move to a place where you be surrounded by people that also love and understand freedom this is something that you want to look into freestateproject.org also check out the liberty forum while you're there it's a great upcoming opportunity to come up here to new hampshire meet some of these great activists we talk about so much on this program and uh, also meet some big names in the liberty movement freestateproject.org/libertyforum to get more information on that that's freestateproject.org/libertyforum as we continue here with your phone calls about what you want let's go to the amp line and talk to alex in new jersey alex you're on free talk live Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? What would you think of um, social ostracism of the cops or uh, anyone else who's extremely against liberty, like statists and authoritarians in New Hampshire, in your own private business? For example, if I owned a, uh, a store, my own small little shop, and a police officer came in who arrested you for having a couch in your lawn, for example, mm-hmm. uh, if, he went in, if he went into the store, I could say, sir, uh, I'm not going to serve you, and this is why and I could kick him out. Or if Judge Burke comes in, I would say, um, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm not going to serve you. Please exit the premises. Uh, do you think that if we could get uh, a bunch of, like, um, warning, do not serve this person posters <laughs> and post them up, do you think that would be effective if the town socially ostracized people like that? I don't. I think so. Well, no, uh, I don't. I think that the statists probably have us outnumbered by a pretty good margin. Yeah, and if you're gonna, to one. <laughs> if you start ostracizing police officers and judges, I think you'll probably have more of a backlash. And you're, as a liberty activist right. trying to do that, you're more likely to be ostracized than the people you. Not want to mention to. that we, um, you know, when you talk about uh, Officer uh, Lieutenant, excuse me, uh, Shane Maxfield, who's here on the uh, Keen PD, another gentleman, uh, Fred Parcells, who's a former PD officer, now works for uh, like the housing department or something like that. These guys have, uh, to some extent, moved our direction. Now, um, when I say our, I mean mine, not Ian's um, <laughs> direction, and they. Um, but you know they're 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 coming around as it were. They're doing this to you know to some extent, uh, probably in spite of the vinegar, um, not because of it. I think that uh, I think it's the honey that to some extent uh, works. I, you know I I think there's room for the stick as there is for the carrot, but. I like using the carrot as much as possible. I'll, I'll agree with you there, Mark, but I think that Alex's theory is at least sound. It would require a significant uh, percentage ownership in local businesses for it to be effective in any way, shape, or form, however. So, for instance, uh, there's a place called Grafton here in New Hampshire, very, very small. It doesn't even barely qualify as a town, and there's really nothing there except for a gas station. So if you're dealing with a situation like Grafton, uh, then if you own the gas station... Well, you could pretty effectively ostracize the local bureaucrats. Like, oh, you can't get your gas here, nor can you buy your beer, so you can go ahead and drive half an hour to the nearest, you know, the, the nearest urban center to do that sort of thing. But you'd have to have a significant hold on local businesses in order to really kind of make a splash in that way. That said, I think there is something valuable to ostracizing those who are unrepentant about what it is that they do. I mean, if you're, I'm not talking about the average bureaucrat. I think most of those folks are good people who are just 
just looking for a job so they can put food on their family's table, and this just happens to be the job they chose, mostly usually because, well, the benefits are great. So I, I don't, you know, I don't blame those people at all. But the people in the upper echelons who are unapologetic about continuing to hurt people, prosecutors, people like that, people that aren't moving in the right direction, people that you can you can absolutely prove had ha- have had the opportunity to come to understand that what they're doing is wrong and that they uh, that they reject any uh, any sort of change in their behavior, that they continue to push ahead. Time after time, after being given plenty of opportunities to change, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting those people on a list and saying, hey, just don't do business with these people. How effective would it be? Again, it depends on a variety of factors. But I, I support the idea of ostracism if you're dealing with somebody who is a sociopath and is, uh, you know, is not doing anything to change that. Right. And I think that the Free State Project can help us to get there quicker. Oh, there was a website too that uh, that came out recently that actually is guildactivist.info, uh, sim- something like that. No, uh, I don't remember what it's called offhand, but it's somebody. One of the liberty activists here in New Hampshire has created a website that essentially lists good businesses and bad businesses. And I wish I could oh, remember. Really? I wish I could remember what it is. But essentially, you can go on this site, and if you've had a bad experience at a business where, or like, if it's if if the owners are explicitly anti-liberty and you know it, uh, you can essentially enter it into this database. And of, of course, if the owners disagree, they could certainly challenge uh, the the entry. But then you can look and you can see. Well, here's a list of liberty-friendly businesses, and here's a list of, of businesses run by people who are our status. And I see nothing wrong with a website like that. I mean, it's it just you're directing your money in directions that you think are going to benefit you and benefit people that are like-minded. And I I, I am all in support of that. Thank Thank you, Alex, for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. I mean, what do you guys think about something like that, to where if you know that a business owner is really anti-liberty, then why not just send some business to their competition? Oh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, there are certain people I know in certain fields in Keene. Uh, there's one lawyer I can think of that I know are pro-liberty. And there are some people who I know who are anti-liberty who run establishments. And I, you know, I do factor that if I know somebody's political orientation, most businesses I go into, either they're owned by a corporation, so they're owned by shareholders, or mm-hmm. I don't know the, you know, the owner enough to know what their beliefs are. But if I know, I see nothing wrong with giving money to people who well, share your beliefs, and I don't see anything wrong with ostracizing people who you strongly disagree with. I like it. I like the idea. Um, I think that there are some problems in, uh, you know, ferreting out the 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 right person, because um, if there is a, a list, like say uh, Ian's list of uh, pro liberty businesses in Keene, in Keene and the surrounding areas, um, that you create, the businesses will be, um, you know, they'll desire to get their name on the list so that they will be, you know, get that many more referrals, and they may fib a little bit about what their beliefs are. Um, could that be advantage? That could still be an okay thing, but I can't. I can't see business owners beating down the doors of this particular website at oh this point. Oh my god! In the it game. really could happen. And referrals in some business are really a big deal. Imagine if you run an HVAC company, a, a, you know, a, an air conditioning company, air conditioning heating company, and your average job totals three, four, five, six thousand dollars a piece. Yeah. Uh, do you want to be on that referral list? I do. I mean, they put well, that, you'd be that in big trouble. Christian fish on things. Well, you'd be in big trouble if you lied to get on a list like that, and then somebody ended up finding out that you are, in point of fact, not in favor of freedom. How would you be in trouble? Then you wouldn't get any referrals from the list? You weren't going to get any referrals from the list before um, anyway. Well, you could be extra blackballed, I guess. If you by got whom? People who, um, by, by people who were on the fence about liberty? Come on. 
I, I see some problems with the list. I think it's a good idea, and it would be something for a local libertarian show, not a national libertarian show. I, uh, not so much. We're not. What do you, what, this has nothing to do with our show. I was just mentioning I know, it as an I'm idea. I'm just saying. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I think it's a fine idea wherever it is you want to implement it. More coming up here. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. Even in these remaining moments, just enough time for your call if you make it now. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We continue with your phone calls about what you want. And, oh, by the way, I want to invite you to help promote the show. You can learn how over at promote.freetalklive.com. Lots of different ways, most of them completely free. Again, that's promote.freetalklive.com. As we go to Dave, listening in New York, Dave, you are on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys, how are you doing tonight? Dave, what's on your mind? Um, I, I wanted to. This is great that you, you know, we can call in and just talk about whatever we want to. I think that's a really cool concept. Here you are. It's not really that original of a concept, I have to point out. I mean, there have been open phones on the radio since the beginning of uh, talk radio. But go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, concerning um, all the stuff that's going on in the world and everything like that, and well, we get inundated with so much negative information <laughs> and, and and positive stuff, too. I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff going on, but... In my experience, as I was contemplating what was going on in the world, I have a son, and, and because of him, uh, he, I started to wonder, what, something's wrong. You know, I just, I said, something doesn't make any sense. And through my course of evaluation and, and on the Internet and reading diff, different stuff and everything, I came across, I came across the, um, a series of books, and uh, I wanted to share it with your listeners because I think it's it's phenomenal stuff about America, but about a lot of stuff. But it's called, oh, the website is, is www.stgermainpress.com. And there's these series of books, there's like 20 of them, where they discuss uh, what's happening in America on a spiritual level. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand there's a lot of stuff going on on the invisible that's trying to bring um, what we all in our hearts want, which is freedom and liberty and stuff like that. And the name of the book is called Unveiled Mysteries. And uh, it, was, it was very interesting how it came to my attention because I was really uh, getting really distraught and really freaking out about what was going on. And somehow uh, I got directed to these books, and I, I, and I bought the, the first book, Unveiled Mysteries, and I just read it, and I was like, it, it almost gave me, it just changed the whole way I was looking at everything that was going on out there. The information that's in this book, not only... Now, hold on a second. Before what, you go on, now, now you're not the it, author, are you? Uh, did you, you no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, right. loved, I just love the book so much. And there's also a little pamphlet when you get on the website. It's called I, um, America's Destiny. Um, and it's the three historic prophecies regarding George Washington and America's freedom, the legend of the Wissahickon, which is the consecration of George Washington, Washington's vision, that warns of three great perils affecting America, the third of which the whole world united shall not prevail against her, and General, General McClellan's dream in which Washington warned of disaster and how to avoid it. 
Um, so wait, you're saying that George Washington was, had premonitions about the future of America? Yeah, it was. This book is really, really. It's a, this one is just a pamphlet. The Unveiled Mysteries book is two separate things. It's from the same website, but. So uh, what, what is it, it that, I mean, for all of our listeners who are not going to book, go out and run out and buy this book, which is probably most of them, why don't you give us the summary? I mean, what's the executive summary here? What are we going to pick up? Well, I'll, I'll, well, that's, that's a little pamphlet. It's about the, the, what was going on in, in those days when America was in its inception fighting against the British and certain things that had happened um, to, to somehow to achieve the victory uh, that, that we got America. Um, a lot of stuff that most people don't know about, but the book Unveiled Mysteries is um, it's the teachings of the Ascended Masters of what I am means and America's destiny about. There's a lot of the cool ascended. Slow down, slow down. The Ascended Masters of what I am means. Yes, that's correct. Can you can you explain what that, that is yeah, all about? That doesn't mean anything to me. Well, I, I you know it, it, it's it's something that cannot be just described like within a minute or two. But I just wanted to share it with people so that at least they can check it out for themselves. And if they, they find that it's, um, it's something that will help them, uh, that will uh, lighten right. their heart a little bit, well, um, then I've done my job. That's, well, that's I, I appreciate I that. Uh, you know, that. I wish you had a little bit more to tell us about it. Unfortunately, that's where you're going to leave us. So anything else on your mind? Um, oh, yeah. and I, This is the first time I've listened to your program. By the way, you guys don't have an accent. Are you guys originally from from New Hampshire? You said. Uh, no, I, I'm originally from Florida. Florida and, born and raised. Okay, although, I was, I, well, I, I am from you, New Hampshire. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't hear the pack pack the cow by the bond uh, thing. But well, actually, that's Massachusetts. Actually, yeah, we're Western New Hampshire, and uh, there's sort of an Eastern and a Western uh, New England uh, accent, and it seems to be cut by the uh, you know Pack Monadnock, uh, you know, really, uh, yeah, range there. So yep. actually, they um they they they, uh, they go to they go to the ballet with uh, wearing the blazer from J.C. Penney's. <laughs> <laughs> that, that came out more in New York, but it is yeah. <laughs> but well, sort it's, of. It's, it's, it's not too far from that. It's not. No, it, yeah, I don't really have the accent either um it's mostly older folks who do but okay. yeah that's the mass your version is kind of the massachusetts accent of course there's a lot of massachusetts influence especially near boston over in manchester new hampshire so. all right so so to summarize your call dave uh, there's yes, a book I, called unveiled mysteries and it, it was a life changer for you yes and there's one other thing that i wanted to to ask yes, you guys because this is my first time hearing you guys uh, uh have you made people aware of, of ron paul's um campaign for liberty Right. You know what? I, I, I'm glad you asked about that. We haven't talked about the Campaign for Liberty in a little while because, well, I don't know if there's really been anything to talk I'm about. I'm a member of the Campaign for Liberty, and I haven't been getting too many updates. Yeah. Uh, you know, we followed the Ron Paul campaign on this program. We had him on the show. The campaign was great. I mean, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we actually did have him on our show. You can go to guests.freetalklive.com, and you can look for Ron's picture, and you can listen to our interview with Ron there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we were big fans of uh, Ron Paul. I mean, he's the only guy with any level of principle in Washington, D.C., so certainly we paid close attention to him. And I have to say that the Campaign for Liberty has, you know, it's really kind of been a disappointment uh, so far. It doesn't seem to be anything significantly different than anything that has come it, before in the liberty movement. And except I, that they got millions of dollars that were raised by the campaign behind them. I think it's them. hard for them to find direction because it was a broad coalition. It wasn't just libertarians. Yeah. It was, you know, there were some conservatives that were Ron Paul, traditional conservatives that were Ron Paul supporters. Constitution Party people. Right. So you had a broad coalition and... And 
I think without Ron Paul, there is sort of the the person to get behind the, the the Ron Paul crowd. They're still out there, but I don't think they can act in concert like they were during the presidential campaign. I think if you want to find something that's going to be effective, look no further than the Free State Project. Have you heard about that one yet, Dave? No, I haven't. All right, take a moment when you go uh, get, when you go online, go to freestateproject.org, and then look at that. And actually, Ron Paul has endorsed the Free State Project uh, because it's the idea is brilliant. Uh, the idea is to move as many liberty-loving people together to the same place, the same geographic region, which New Hampshire was chosen as that region, uh, as possible. And then uh, there's no central control. I mean, as you recall from the Ron Paul campaign, the, the most amazing thing about his campaign was that his campaign didn't do anything. It was all of the activists. It was the people that were fans of Ron Paul that got out there and self-organized and self-started and just went out and created what they needed to create to do what they felt was right. And that's what is going on with the Free State Project. These people People are moving here, and there's no central committee. There's no controlling authority telling them what to do. The activists move to New Hampshire, and they decide for themselves what the right activism for them to do is. And it's and working brilliantly. They've uh, they've successfully gotten uh, several uh, Free State Project members called porcupines, which I think is really cute. So they've gotten several porcupines, I believe four, either four to six, I'm not sure exactly, in the state legislature. And they've uh, you know started an organization that helps to get native New Hampshire's uh, New Hampshireites that are you know, liberty-oriented, helps get them in office. So it's uh, it's been rather successful, and I think we're only going to see more and more success. It's worth a look, Dave. I thank you for the call tonight, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again. Unless the activist types keep on burning flags and run everybody away. 1-800-259-9231. Well, Mark, you uh, can't control what others do, so you better just focus on what you can do to be positive. Anyway, we move on to uh, the Associated Press, where Hong Kong has been named the world's freest economy for the 15th year in a row, according to an annual report, uh, annual report released Tuesday by the Heritage Foundation and the Wall Street Journal that warns against government intervention amid the global economic crisis. The Chinese territory, known for its low taxes and loose regulations, was followed by Singapore, Australia, Ireland, and New Zealand, according to this year's Index of Economic Freedom. I have heard this. Now, remember New Zealand at one point, you know, just less than a decade ago, was quite a socialist country, and mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, you know, they they are economically free, but there's you know there's some restrictions socially that you have to take a take a look at. And Singapore, not socially free at all. I mean, they beat you with a stick if you spit gum on the ground there. Um, Hong Kong, very free place, but it is part of Red China. Something. Well, it's part of Hong Kong, China. It's 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 basically one country, two systems, and to a large extent, they're left alone by the by the central Chinese government. So. Today. I mean, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Well, today and for the past over a decade. It's working. It's absolutely working. And it shows that, uh, you know, b- leaving people economically free allows, uh, you know, for lots of money to be made, lots of revenue to be made. And that's why the Chinese government is leaving them alone. Those However, list- you never know what these big government people are going to do. Those listening in the United States might be wondering where the U.S. was on the list. It slid one notch to sixth place, dinged for increased government spending and tax revenues, blah, blah, blah. We'll see you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. We're coming back, I say, to an internet edition of the program, and uh, going on an extended length of time, this program brought to you by the CD Evolution Fund. We're going to be going for an additional hour here, uh, from so from 10 Eastern to 11 o'clock Eastern, I guess, right?
Mark uh, is nodding his head. I, that would be, so the math well would, the, I'm the, sorry. The I was, math would work there, yeah. I was re- reading an email from Fred Parcells, and I did. I was just uh, sort of distracted for just a second when you turned the mics back Fred on. Fred Parcells. Now, uh, Fred is listening here, so we know that Fred's I, I don't know that he's tonight. still on. I think so. Um, I, you know, I had asked him if, uh, if in sometime in the future when you get sick or go on vacation or something like that, if he'd like to sit in on, <laughs> on the show. Is he going to do it? Uh, he said uh, he's. I think he's on the fence. He's, he's basically said no here. Um, he says I. I'm not sure that I could get the, um, take the pummeling for three hours. And yeah, I, I, I that would I've be a un- hard position to be in. I've been unfair. Uh, you know, sometimes when I call in, I can be a little too passionate because I know what delivers uh, for a radio show, and I try to be a a good caller at the same time. And a, a good caller is somebody that you can turn into a heel or uh, expresses pa- passion, things like that. But um, I would hope that. The listeners would not would would perhaps t- try to take the opportunity to uh, you know t- talk to Fred about uh, free market things, but you know maybe we could go over n- some news stories where you know get his ideas, my ideas. Now I, I, I didn't to, imagine a, pun, uh, a, a pummeling. That was, I, I offered to lend Fred. Oh no, by the way, we're on the internet show. This is not on the radio, uh, so anything goes. I'll give you a phone number here in a moment. The amp lines are open. Uh, Fred Parcells, just to bring people up to speed, he mm-hmm. is a former city councilor mm-hmm. here in Keene. Former don't say politician. He doesn't like that. That's right. He doesn't like that. Uh, former uh, former PD? detective yeah. uh, in the Keene Police Department for, for like two in, decades. In, internal investigations is my understanding. IA, yes, yeah. internal affairs. And uh, you know, all around nice guy. I like Fred. Fred's a good guy, from what I can tell. He's uh, he's kind of getting a grasp on some of this liberty stuff, but some of it he's taking it slow. And I've well, offered Fred the chance to uh, to read the market for liberty, and he turned me down. Well, it, you know, I mean, a man's got to do what a man's got to do in, in his in his time. I mean, you're you're going to spend your time the way you're going to spend your time. Yeah. And he says here, and I think that this is I, I, uh, some legitimate critique. I also don't think I can engage in Mary Poppins type debates about the complete elimination of government, etc. Well, if, if if he was fill, if you were filling in for me, then that wouldn't be the debate, right? Because it'd it, be it wouldn't be with me because but, you don't support the complete elimination necessarily. You're well, a minarchist. You um true, but like I imagine what he's um experiences on talkback is uh to some extent he's I. I, I hesitate to say things like this where it can be recorded, but I, you know, I, I think that Fred is probably the best on-air personality they have on Talkback because he stirs things up. He knows how to, to handle the. He debate. knows how to cut off a call. Well, you gotta, uh, be, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> know when a call's stale. I you have to admit. Um, and the 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 idea that, <laughs> you know. The, I think that he's he's good there, and so you know I think he's expecting to experience something similar to what he gets on Talkback from the callers who are trying to shove a whole bunch into a very short period of time on Talkback because they know they're going to get uh, you know there's somebody else on the line they're going to get moved along because their opinions are fringe and and reasons like that, and I don't I don't get that experience here. I have the the pro government view on the the show, which isn't it was pretty anti government, but. Uh, you know, it's it's more more you're than yours. You're not anti-government. You're pro-freedom. Yeah, whatever. Um, All right. So hey, here's the call-in number six zero three four three five one one zero five six zero three four three five one one zero five. That's the number for those of you that are not yet amplifiers. Uh, for Get those on the of stick. You, for those of you who are amplifiers, you know the amp uh, the amp line. You're welcome to call in. Uh, it's going to be an extended edition of the show. So you know, we've got emails. We've got show prep that we just. We never have a chance to get to all this stuff. I mean, there's always just so much to talk about, and we virtually never get to most of it. So 
where are we going to start tonight, Mark? I mean, this well, I got, is kind of... I've got a story here that uh, came in from uh, Brad Jardis. It's uh, from, from Leap itself, and I think that uh, having talked about Fred, we can uh, segue nicely into a law enforcement against prohibition yes, story. Yes, Fred, who, uh, who is apparently against the war on drugs, but will not quite yet join the law, law enforcement against prohibition. Well, I think Fred... Uh, maybe he's just Fred for takes, good on marijuana. Fred, well, I, and I think marijuana is the place to, to start. I, I, you know, absolutely the war on drugs is a war on marijuana, and uh, he, he takes the stance that a person in possession of uh, an ounce or less should not be prosecuted, and I'm, you, you know, I like that stance. It's better than what we have. Do you think they're going to prosecute uh, Andrew? Uh, we, this uh, this past Saturday, for those of you that Fred suggested ignoring him, which Fred did suggest ignoring would, him, which they I would didn't like do. to have uh, Fred as the uh, the chief of police here in town compared to, compared to the one we have. So so for those that don't know, on Saturday, Andrew Carroll, an activist from Manchester, came to Keene. He possessed marijuana in public. He was arrested, charged with a Class B misdemeanor, which apparently means that there's a fine that will likely be uh, brought about, which Andrew has uh, pledged to not pay. Uh, but a Class B misdemeanor does not involve jail time. So not if you pay the fine. Ah, yeah, okay, that's that's a good point. Well, hmm. So we'll see what they end up deciding to do about this, but we do know that the activists have been talking about doing a sitting protest in this courtroom because for a for a number of months whenever the government people would go after an activist for whatever the reason was, it was some it was usually some driving stuff. Uh, Nick Ryder recently was, uh, you know, pull, uh, pulled over, given a speeding ticket, and people went in. Uh, supporters, other activists, went into court with behind these other activists, and they filled up the front rows in the uh, the, the courtroom. And when the judge c- c- came in, and they said, "All rise." None of them rose, and apparently that kind of started to really get to this judge. And the the judge then issued an order uh, in the court which happened to coincide with my trial, the, the trial they were having over the, the couch case, and he essentially threatened every single person that was going into that court with some sort of sanctions, possibly an arrest, possibly jail time, contempt of court, for instance, uh, if they did not stand, unless they were you know, physically unable to, you know, crippled or something like that. So the, and this, this order is still posted outside the courtroom. So it's a, you know, it's a standing order in this judge's court, that everyone is to stand when all rise is uttered, right. and, uh, the, and the activists are pretty upset about this, and they're ready to turn Andrew's hearing into a sitting protest. And so, I think that's a bad idea. Why? I don't think you want to mingle two different things. Now, the judge might have one thing to because say. Because he could go after Andrew for it. Well, well it, it's it, confusing. It's the message is getting confused because if the judge. It starts off on the wrong foot because people aren't standing for him. What message are you sending? That people shouldn't have to stand in the courtroom or that you disagree with Andrew's arrest? And I think it's important to keep it one thing at a time. Because, I agree. Because if you're if if Wait, all of a sudden are you suggesting that everybody should just stand for the judge? Well, I'm suggesting that they you, should do whatever they want to do. However, I think that what they um, that that. You know, muddling the message here. Come in after the, you know, do what they did in yours. Come in after the judge's end. You know, do, you know, choose not to. But I, I agree with um, Nick. Right. That because people won't get whether it's stand. Is it the issue of whether you need to stand for the judge, or is it this the marijuana issue? And when you're doing both of those things at the one t- at one time, it's you're piling it on, and the uh, you're not really allowing the judge, at least from his perspective. To take the graceful way out, because he's what I mean. What's he going to do? He might be willing to just say, 
you know what, we're not going to prosecute you on the marijuana thing. Right. And that would be, he has the option of saying, yes, I'm going to prosecute you, or no, I'm not. But once mm-hmm. you start mixing a bunch of different things in there, it gets a little confusing. Right. Was, if, if you want the judge to, you don't want to force the judge's hand to bring the axe down on people that do not stand for him, then do that at some other time. You know, opportunity. You're just saying any other arraignment, any right. other time? Do, go ahead and do that before Andrew uh, comes. That way you've made some kind of stance beforehand and don't have to, you know, make that stance uh, when Andrew goes up. Because what, what could it could really result in, instead of the judge, you know, making some kind of decision like he did with uh, so many liberty activists uh, like Dave Cruz and um, with, with uh, Nick Ryder and, and those kind of folks, and taking really a graceful way out, which he has, and I feel that he's a fair man. I just think that he's been given some words from on high to be a little tougher on these um, anarchist nuts or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so I think that you should give him the opportunity to, to take the graceful way out, and he won't. And that's unfair to Andrew. It's unfair to the judge. It's unfair to the liberty movement. Hmm. You know, I don't even remember where I was going with that point. I'd like to read this story from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Seattle, Washington, a Mountain Lake Terrace police sergeant who was fired after publicly criticizing the war on drugs has reached an $812,500 settlement. Hear this, police officers? If you make a stand for Leap, you might make nearly a million dollars out of it. How about that? As um, a taxpayer's expense? Well, you know, I can't say that I like that, but the taxpayers allowed right. these guys, you know, allowed these uh, police organizations to grow up in their midst. As far as I'm concerned, they're reaping what they sow. Well, it wouldn't take a few. It wouldn't take more than a few of these instances, maybe even one, it sets to a get, yeah, to get them to behave. Yes, um, a settlement the police, in a lawsuit is. filed against the, the police, uh, you know, hierarchy against the city and uh, police department, among others. Under the settlement, Sergeant Jonathan Winder has been reinstated to the force and is eligible to receive back pay and full retirement benefits. In an open society, people in the front lines of the criminal justice system have an ethical duty to speak out on controversial, social, and legal issues that affect the public we serve, said Sergeant Winder, a uh, member of the Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, a 10,000-strong organization representing police, prosecutors, judges, and others who have fought on the front lines in the war on drugs and who now want to legalize and regulate drugs. The public has a fundamental right to know which laws and policies are effective and which ones aren't. They should expect that their police officers will speak the truth, even when it isn't popular or comfortable to do so. And I think this is absolutely true. It's one thing to work for the government. It's another thing for them to say what you're going to, you know, what your opinion's going to be. Uh, you know, that's, that doesn't sound like the right well, to free speech guaranteed by the government to me. I think part of the problem there is that the police forces are modeled on the military model, at least in terms of the system of ranks and orders are given. It's essentially a, a, a civilian type of military in a sense. It is. It's quasi-military. And, and that's the problem I have with it, especially when they start using terms like the war on drugs, front lines. I mean, this is this yeah. is that's the vernacular now, but the problem there is... It's not the military. I can see a case being made for... If it is the military, who are they fighting against? Right. So the problem there is, if you're working for the government, well, if you're in a wartime situation and you're actually in a combat zone, I can see abridging some of the free speech rights because, you you know, in a combat situation, I think there's certain things that you don't say, but they're not the military. They're not fighting. They shouldn't. They are essentially fighting a war against the American people, but yeah, they shouldn't be. Them. They're just, they're just uh, government officials. They're bureaucrats, like the people who work for the public when you works say it's department. Us against them, do you mean it's you against uh, Sergeant Winder? 
No, but that's but the, the mentality. Prob- probably sh- uh, probably that's the mentality. Be, okay. The I'm mentality just, of these cops. Sounded like that a broad are, brush stroke there. So the, yeah, it is a broad brush. And the mentality is uh, based on real observations. Uh, for instance, the t shirt uh, out of, I think it was the Democratic National Convention, where the cops <laughs> made themselves a little t shirt that said, We get up in the morning early to beat the crowds. And there was a cop holding a baton, yeah. slapping his hand with it. So, yeah, it is an us versus them mentality. Uh, there are it, some exceptions certainly. to the us versus them, but clearly, they have it. They have that mentality, those of them who I'm referring to, and I'm not referring to all of them. Sergeant Winder joined the police force in 1990 after graduating from college and was terminated in 2005. He holds a Ph.D. from Simon Fraser. How many cops Damn. do you know hold a Ph.D.? Not many. Simon Fraser University is currently full-time so- um, sociology professor at the University of Washington. As part of the settlement, Sergeant Winder is back on the payroll of the Mountain Lake Terrace uh, Fire Department, where he will serve an administrative leave until he retires from the force in November 10, 2010. So he's really not even doing anything and can then qualify for his full pension. Jonathan Winder's victory is ours as well as um, was his fight, said Norm Stamper, the re- uh, retired Seattle police officer and LEAP member, because of this fine um, fine man's courage and perseverance and his willingness to tell the truth about the drug war, we've all moved closer to putting an end to that war. I believe police officers across the country will be moved by Jonathan's example and will raise their voices in support of Leap's goal of ending drug prohibition and hope to cash in on the $812,500 that he got. Well, oh, that wasn't there. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you hope doesn't happen. I mean, the the reason that the, the the settlement was issued was because the police department did something wrong. So what you hope to result from a case like this is that there won't be any more cases like this. Now, I'm sure there'll be some, but hopefully there'll be less so and more police will be willing to come out and express their dissatisfaction with the war on drugs. As they should. Uh, by the way, I remembered what it was that I was going to, the, the point I was trying to make about Andrew, the guy that was arrested for the marijuana possession. What I was suggesting earlier, and I, you guys, you know, essentially don't think that there should be any cross activism going on here, but Andrew arrested for marijuana possession, charged with a Class B misdemeanor. My question was, will they drop the charges? I mean, if they get wind, if the state people get wind that, that essentially, the activists are going to use Andrew's trial as an excuse to do more civil disobedience because there have been uh, there's been a sitting civil disobedience that's been proposed and now Dave Ridley at ridleyreport.com is proposing uh, do, and with Andrew's approval of course uh, he's proposing doing some sort of camera disobedience bringing a camera into the courtroom and again operating the camera without the judge's uh, full permission because the, one of the last times the judge ordered a camera be shut off in the middle of a trial and so I'm I'm, I'm imagining that's what Dave's upset about so we're looking at two completely different uh, civil disobedience things that could be occurring at this one man's hearing and my question is well are they going to back down are they going to drop the charges because they want to avoid having a scene like that i mean the fact is they don't want that stuff on tape they don't want anybody recording that stuff and putting it out there do they i they maybe not um i think they'd prefer not to have to deal with any of this in the first place the well, problem sure. the problem I have with the whole not standing because I don't believe in any government and I'm never going to recognize the court is they have no the judge has no incentive to there's nothing he can do. I mean, there's no way he mean? can win the judge as far as not a lot of people who don't want to stand for Judge Burke in particular and Keene don't want to stand for him because they don't recognize the legitimacy of any government. 
to be, to be fair, though, I think there are a number of them who might. Strategy. I think there are a number of them who might stand if this guy was only hearing cases that had to do with a victim. If you were only, if Judge Burke was only hearing uh, arson, rape, and other violent crimes and property crime cases, then number one, the activist wouldn't be in his courtroom in the first place, and number two, I don't see why anyone would object to standing for somebody who was doing the right thing on a consistent basis. I think that a lot of the objections, and obviously I can't speak for them all if they're listening and they want to comment, 603-435-1105, but it would seem to me that a lot of them are are basically making the statement that you don't deserve respect. You have not earned our respect, and so I'm not going to stand for you as a result of that. Even if he only prosecutes victimless crimes, assuming he's still working for the city of Keene and the state of New Hampshire, he's still being funded by coerced taxpayer dollars. And I think a good, I mean, of the subset of activists who won't stand for a judge in the courtroom, I think is not very small, but I would say it's probably a minority of activists, even in New Hampshire's part of the Free State Project, would, would not stand for a judge. And... Of that subset, they're already so against any form of coercive state being around that I don't think there's a whole lot uh, that the judge can do to win with those folks. And that's the problem I have. There's that The point of civil disobedience is to push them in the right direction. But if you're trying to push them off a cliff and say... Stop right. being a government. They're there's, not going to do it. There's no way that he's 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 not incentivized to do anything because well you know he's never going to get he's never he doesn't want what they want so you know they're they're never going right. to get there. I, However, there are a certain contingent at least at least a contingent of one. I was I I wrote Judge Burke a letter um, that I gave to the clerk of court unopened or excuse me open so that they so anybody who wanted to look through it for anthrax or a bomb or something could feel free to do that i i know that i'm an fsp member and therefore not exactly cherished by the local government um and i told him that i was going to stand for him because i felt that i respected his rulings on several cases named them off and, and that kind of thing and and then i you know this thing happened with ian and you know the I, I was shocked uh, by it and wished that Ian would shut up and wouldn't have gotten the other two of the uh, three, uh, you know, uh, contempt of courts. However, the first one really did seem like the judge came in with the intent of just getting some people. And I don't think a ju- I think a judge should not do that. A judge should be coming in from the point of view that I am being fair, just, and and pure, and and you know looking at this situation without any prejudice. Mm-hmm. I felt like he walked in prejudice, and I feel like somebody somewhere along the line put a bug in his ear, told him that he needs to crack down or something like that, and I don't like that. I so at what point I'm, do you stop standing? Right. Well, I at this point I have stopped standing for Judge Burke. Now, obviously, I haven't been in his courtroom. You know, I, am, am I real pleased with your, uh, you know, whole situation there? I'm not, but you know, I'm nor am I pleased with him. And and as far as I'm concerned, it's a vendetta between two men at this point. That shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be confronting the taxpayers of Keene, New Hampshire. But as poorly as you were treated by Judge Berkey, and you have to admit that he was more lenient in some of the other activist cases than I would expect a lot of judges that's, to be. I agree, and that's why I was standing for him on the day that uh, Ian got, you know, uh, railroaded or whatever. And now I'm not. So you know what? When's you know how that? How's that going to change? Now, am I going to rush off into his courtroom? Have it yet? I've kind of felt like it sometimes. I think that he, uh, you know, if he again, if he doesn't want to encounter this stuff. Can just start doing the right thing and not hearing cases that have to do with uh, but that have to do with we're, that's we're not really, from that's, violence. I don't believe that's his discretion. That's the prosecutor's discretion. I mean, he has to hear the case. He can throw. I mean, he can say, "All right, you know, 
not guilty, but he can't not hear the case. Really? I, the I'm clerk, pretty sure. The clerk of court can't just take that stuff off the docket? I'm pretty sure that's the prosecutor. Nah, that's okay. I'm, we don't have time for this. I'm not 100% positive, but I think that's the prosecutor's discretion because I'm pretty sure it's the, the prosecutor brings the charges. I think the judge signs – I think the judge – I don't know. I think the clerk of court or the judge signs off on it. But I'm pretty sure to some extent once a police officer has made an arrest and made an accusation and actually written out a report, there's some responsibility on his part to at least have that person walk into court. Hmm. I don't he know. He could just simply find not guilty. I mean he could just throw the cases out or table them for 50 years or something sure. I guess. But. I'm not sure what the uh, what all the details on the insides are. If you know more, 603-435-1105, 603-435-1105. We go to the amp line, unscreen calls. We're not screening any calls, obviously. Internet only. A bonus edition of the show. Who's this? This is Brock. Brock, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, um, I'm calling about this, this story that Mark's reading here about a cop who's taking my money for mm-hmm. his living and speaks the truth about drug war, and that's commendable. But then he gets fired, and he takes another job where he's taking my money for his living. To some extent. that money to sue my money for more money, Mm -hmm. and now he's going to be held on to the fire uh, department using my money until he retires and then has a retirement with my money. How is that a good thing? Well, it's a bad thing in the paradigm that we live in, but what what would you propose that he do? I would propose that he get a productive job in society and go on and, and speak the truth about the drug war all he wants or he has doesn't been. want. He has been but, preaching this, the truth about the drug war. He has, however, not gotten a national story until he got the settlement. Well, I understand. He's a member but, of LEAP. You know, that's what he does. He it, preaches it. I'm I'm not willing to pay for the national story, and that's that's what you're you're exalting this this person for using my money to sue my money and and come up with a national story. If I wanted a national story, I'd go take out an ad in the Wall Street Journal and and advertise the truth of the drug war. I think Mark was bringing this up just simply point out to uh, the, those law enforcement officers who happen to be listening to this show that they can go ahead and take that stand and they can be okay because a lot of them are quite frightened uh, to come out of the closet. And yes, we all understand they're taking taxpayer dollars and we all understand the immorality of that. But I think Mark was simply pointing out that you don't have to be scared about what you need, what you can and can't say. But Brock, I have a question for you. There's, um, there's where we are today, right? And then there's a state of liberty that you find acceptable. How do we get from the where we are today to the state of liberty that you find acceptable? Yeah, that's that's the 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 eight hundred million dollar question. Yeah, the, it absolutely the is. Thousand dollar question. Um, I I don't know. I don't know, but I do know <laughs> it's not forcibly taking my money from me today to uh, you know to even say say some say another one other police officer takes this guy's cue and says, well, hey, heck, I want $800,000, too. That's another $800,000 that's gone out of 
the fun to educate folks on liberty. I agree. I agree um, with you on on that point. However, uh, that the officer doesn't get to choose; the department gets to choose whether or not they fire somebody for speaking out. So, what I would like to see is, I'd like to see tomorrow. Now that this story has come out, I'd like to see a thousand officers, a hundred. You know, I mean, some amount of large amount of officers saying, "Hey, I'm against the war on drugs too." I think that'd be a great thing for, from the morality standpoint. That you also ha- you're also making the assumption that the department will simply get $800,000 more in funding next year, whatever the next cycle is. And that's not necessarily true. The, whoever, it's likely. Well, this, well, the city council or whoever is in charge of their checkbook might not be too happy with them. And if they have $30 million already... It ain't already, New Hampshire in Washington, man. I, that may <laughs> no, be, I'm, I'm, but I, I just hey, think that they so may Brock, have to actually eat the cost that, of the money that's already been appropriated. Let's turn this, let's turn this around just a little bit. Um, let's say that uh, some police officer beats me to a pulp. They kick all of my front teeth out, they break my ribs, they uh, blacken both of my eyes, and I have to go to the hospital. Do you think that the taxpayers should be obligated to pay for my hospital bill? No. You're out of your mind, man. I mean, shouldn't that officer be obligated to pay? Wait, Mark, wait, Mark. the, The responsibility lies with the person who does it. Now, I, I agree. agree. With Brock I on agree this one. with you. However, who do you do you think that I shouldn't be able to go get some kind of money to get paid for my hospital bills from the no, only organization that's, that's that is going to pay it? That's not what I said. You asked me if the taxpayer was responsible for it, and I'm saying no. The taxpayer, the taxpayer not has not picked up a shotgun and gone to the city hall and blown away all of these bureaucrats. It sounds to me like they've allowed this to happen. Well, uh, they have the government that they deserve. Uh, oh no, I agree. I agree with that. There you However, go. I'm sitting. I'm sitting in Las Vegas, and and the the government of Seattle has has nothing to do with me, or the government of Keene, New Hampshire, has nothing to do with me. Right. However, this goes back to what Nick was saying. I'm not making the assumption that that their budget's going to be increased. The assumption I'm making is that the city of Seattle, the city of Keene, or the city of wherever is taking money, is taking federal money that I am in paying into, Probably and true. all money is fungible. So if if that eight hundred thousand dollar deficit isn't there in that in that Seattle Police Department, that's eight hundred thousand dollars of federal money that doesn't have to go to Seattle. That's eight hundred thousand dollars that I don't have to I'm, pay to the federal I'm not sure government. in practical terms it works that way. Federal funding can be lost as well if the police department is getting sued. I'm not saying it happens very often, but departments and cities and states do lose federal funding when they screw up sometimes. And so you might actually have a situation where they get less federal funding the next year. I'm not saying that's how it's going to work out, but it's not always so simple as saying the government spent this much money and fine, you know, paying off a restituting somebody, and therefore the taxpayers on the hook for all of that. I, I really don't think that's how it always works out. Going back to the other it's example of, of you know, whether or not you should be compensated by the taxpayers or whether you should be compensated by the individual or by the bureaucracy, I think that if you did have a situation where I – mean, even if we just shifted the governmental um, paradigm to where the government bureaucrats who make these mistakes or who hurt people on purpose in many cases would be responsible for their own actions, would have to pay the, the cost – 
that would change uh, uh, the way they behave It'd be wonderful. if the cops knew. But it is pie in the sky, man. I got my teeth kicked out. Screw you and your theory. Well, you were asking I want theoretically. Some damn money. No, I, you were asking theoretically. No, I was not if this asking. Happened, I said what should, should and I can see why somebody would interpret that as theoretically, but that's not what I was asking. Should I have my medical bills paid? Yes or no? Yes, by the person who caused the problem. I understand, but they're not gonna because they have sovereign immunity. Should and that's I have my change. medical? bills? bills paid. Shouldn't that change? It should. All right, it's not then. going to. Should I have my yeah. medical bills paid? Yes, by the person who caused you I the would problem. Say, I want my medical bills paid today. What you're talking about might happen tomorrow, but ex post facto um, precludes that happening today. Should I have my medical bills paid? Go buy some insurance. Screw you. No, if, if, Kick if your you teeth in. If you come into my bar, Mark, and you get your teeth kicked in by my bouncer... Yes, my bouncer's going to have to pay. Actually, my the bar would be liable too. To pay the bar would be liable because too. Because my, I'm, I'm liable for what my employees do. Same way with the government. The, the, the government should be liable for what their employees do, but the insurance is paid out of taxpayer dollars. What I you're agree. doing is, you, is you're transferring all obviously, that. Obviously, all I that concur with that. To taxpayers who had nothing to do with. The actual, they know, did, I mean, though. I, the government is nominally by the people. So that means that every all the people believe that, or the vast majority of the people believe that. They know that they could do something about it. Look, in no, they France, they can in, France last, um, in, in 2007 in France, they talked about uh, you know, lowering or you know, doing away with some of the regulations on uh, you know, hiring people so that it would make it easier for companies to hire. And the students took to the streets, flipped cars through Molotov cocktails over some regulation changes. Where is that happening in the United States of America? Are you America? advocating violence? It sounded like you were skirting it I'm earlier, and it sounds like it again. I'm advocating, um, the, look, the only revolutions that have really occurred in, this, in the United States uh, are violent ones. Am I saying that I want a violent revolution? No. However, right, careful, I am man. saying that people do, you know, that is a way to change the government. And it would be a way to show extreme disgust with what we've got. You're not getting that. Brock, your thoughts? Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And we don't want a violent revolution. And, and you know, I, I hate to segue to a different issue, but, but in San Francisco, the, these uh, riots that they had this last week, they're just they have absolutely some? disgusting that I didn't they're hear breaking, any. smashing windows of, of African beads when the, the true culprits, you know, the mayor of that town, Hayward, led that group to City Hall and to, you know, or you know, supposedly the, the, the police station would be, or presumably they would be somewhere around that City Hall. Those are the true culprits. Those are the responsible parties. Those are the ones that need to be trashed, not the front window of, of African beats. And yet that's that's where riots get us, is that is that violence gets transferred to the wrong people. I concur with you on that. I'm, uh, I'm not for a violent revolution. Not However, always. It I would mean, be sometimes it ends up with the right people. A, a, one can see that the, the, the case, you know, that the, they're showing disgust over what happened with the case. That's all I'm saying. It would be the easiest way to show disgust. And, you know, they're not. They're, you know, this, this situation... People the, are scared. America, Americans are happy with what they've got. And I have to... I, I find it difficult because it seems to me that the more principled anarchist part segment of the libertarian movement seems to really 
they seem less prone to talk about violence, but by the same token, every everything the government does, even restituting its victims, is force it's directing against you. I've never really gotten that, because aren't you just defending yourself from the state? Brock, did you want to answer uh, that? Oh, well, that's yeah, to you, Ian, or yeah, Brock. You, I mean, you are defending yourself from the state, but... but. There's, I mean, you have to have very ethical decisions on who you retribute against. Oh, and I certainly mobs, agree. Mobs I, don't yeah. have that kind of ethic, and, and you can't expect a mob to have that kind nope. of ethic. Yeah, certainly a mob mentality is a bad thing, and violence in general is not not what you want. Thank but. you, Brock, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 603-435-1105 is the public number. The amp lines are open. This extended, uh, extended edition of Free Talk Live brought to you by the CD Evolution Fund, Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. If the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire have touched, moved, and inspired you, but you're unable for whatever reason to be involved, you can join by uh, getting involved in the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. It allows you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. We know them as governments. Uh, That's cdevolution.org. So to get back to your question, Nick, uh, the question was uh, essentially... Since the government is being violent, why not use violence in response? Was that basically your your question? Yeah, from a, I mean, from an ethical standpoint. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, and I think it's a I think it's a legitimate viewpoint to come from, and that's certainly where a lot of the gun polishers come from when they when they spout off their views. Is that well, hey, the the government is Nick really is one of those gun polishers anyway, though. Really. Yeah, he's sort of. That's news to me. I'm not. He's somewhere in the, uh, the, the, the constitutionalist patriot vein. I don't. I don't, I don't well, I, and I will, because I'm not going to advocate violence. But what I will say is that I don't think anything is accomplished by not resisting once you get to a certain point. Certainly when Castro and his cronies were taking over Cuba, it, the right thing to do would have been pick to up gun, gun. pick up a gun and gun them down. And not just Cuba or Nazi Germany. There's plenty of places in the world where I think they cross the threshold from you're able to express your views peacefully and change the system peacefully to either you're going to kill these people or they're going to kill you. And I eventually you. it boils down to that. Oh, I agree with you. I think there is a certain line in the sand. I don't know where that is. I don't know if you know where it is. Um, I don't know if you've drawn it for yourself yet. I have no idea exactly where it is. I have a is. vague idea of how bad things would have to get. But I don't believe we're there yet. And they are quite a bit yet. worse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe we're there well, yet. If you're, actually seriously, if you're actually seriously going to contemplate that, you have to think about the fact that wherever your line in the sand is, is probably, uh, if you're lucky... A week before the line where you die, if you're not lucky, a minute yeah. or two. You know what I mean? Like, the point where you use force, the odds are probably not in your favor. So, if you don't have a death wish, you should probably save that as a last resort. There's no doubt about it. And that's uh, that's one of the reasons we don't promote uh, violent solutions on this show, because, it, first of all, the, the time has not come. Hopefully, the time never will come. And if we do enough peaceful non-cooperation and civil disobedience, I don't believe the time will ever will ever come. Um, and so I just don't I just don't even like to entertain the idea because well, entertaining the idea can put you into that uh, violent extremist category well, and can, uh, you know, label you as, you know, some militia nut or whatever. It, and it's just not it's not well, conducive. Militia nuts, so I, I certainly get where you're coming from on doing a national radio show. 
On the other hand, I think that... If I was doing a local radio show, I would not find that conducive to any significant conversation or advancing liberty at all. It, I, would, just, it would just make me out to be some I, uh, you know, gun polisher I, who's nope. just itching for a, to pull a trigger. I see where you're coming from on that, but to some extent, I think that people should contemplate the idea in that they should be prepared. I do believe I, in a I militia agree. system. I do agree with that you. That means people should be tr- you But know, I think able it's a trap arms. at the same time. It's, First off, you're likely... Very, very, very likely never to have the opportunity if you're waiting for that time when you can whip out the AK and mow down those evil D, uh, BATF agents or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, likely you're never going to get the chance because they will come at you at 4 o'clock in the morning with uh, night vision goggles or whatever. Well, so then your body might get the chance. I mean, Then <laughs> what you're waiting for in that moment of revolution, rather than actually doing something like coming here to New Hampshire and uh, you know doing something for liberty, you're sitting around waiting for the BATF agents to come in at 4 o'clock that's, in the morning. That's where the gun so, polishers go with it. Right. It absolutely is, and that's why it's a trap, and that's why it's not going to work, because A, you're not going to get the drop on these guys. They are paid killers. Okay? That's what oh. they do for a living. They train. Yeah, you might get the drop on them, but what are your chances? You have, uh, you have it, home guess, turf so you can booby trap your wife. <laughs> Nick's been thinking about this. And I'm kill, looking at you. And kill your wife's Pekingese in the process. I'm not. I'm not. She's got a freaking bun, punji stick through its skull. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying you're going to win. Certainly, as one man army, you're not. Um, I don't know what you're You're not going to get a bullet that, into one of them. Uh, if if it's four o'clock at, at at night and you're alone, the vast majority of the times, man. That's yeah. all I'm saying. You might have. Uh, I, hey, I agree with you, and I spend probably. 20 times, at least 20 times, more time doing media-related liberty activism or other you liberty do. activism. You do, But yes. I still I still do occasionally take a gun out and put some to, holes in paper. It's and good I, to do that. Right. And I, I understand. I'm not pointing any fingers at you. I like what you're doing, and I understand sort of where you're coming from. However, I've met a lot of guys who come from the gun the gun polisher angle well, who don't do crapola. That's what Free State Wyoming is. If anyone's listening from Free State Wyoming, this is my now we're as, a get gen- shot. as a generalization that whole Molan Labe we're going to run to Wyoming and essentially the idea it's that's kind of built around this whole militia notion we're all going to try to get away from society and be heavily armed. I don't want to get away from society. I well, like society. Yeah, I mean what <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do with an AR-15 in the middle of Wyoming if if the government decides they want to get rid of you? I mean, you're essentially going to be up against jets and tanks. I'm not saying you can't win, but wouldn't it be better in the meantime until that day comes? It's a they They're waiting for that day. Why don't you do some peaceful activism to try to avoid that terrible Penn idea? Penn and Teller did one of these survival things, and it's really, it's really rather funny. It's a hobby. It's somebody who wants to, you know, learn about this stuff. There's no, there's very little practical application for learning all this survivalist stuff. Now, admittedly, if something really, really, really bad happens, you want to have some of these skills, but. I don't know that a lot of these schools really are are good. Remember, you have a one in five, you know, one one chance out of uh, 50 in being that person that survives whatever this apocalypse is. So Not if you sleep in a bunker, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of Wyoming. So what do we – I mean, if we come to a conclusion here, I mean, there needs to be a line in the sand for everybody, but that line in the sand is very far away. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it is – I'm any, not saying it's next week. I don't know how – I mean – Conceivably, it could happen. It, more likely in my lifetime than well, Mark's. Mark's old. Um, don't yeah, don't look at me to fire the first shot. <laughs> but 
yeah, essentially, in the meantime, hopefully that day will never come. It's not a good thing. I know some people get so angry at the idea of government that mm. they kind of they're kind of waiting for that day, not not with a sense of dread, but I've with like anticipation. That and that's the wrong attitude, number one. And number two, in the meantime, if that day's not here, which clearly you're not shooting, so it's not, do something else to try to prevent it. What are you pointing at? I, I, I'm pointing at uh, the the next piece of uh, show prep that I'd like to go into. And well, I've got a segue if you'd like. The uh, the number here six zero three four three five eleven zero five. Your comments on this issue. Uh, so just a little more on this though. I I totally understand where you're coming from. I think there's some value to having arms. I think there's some value to that, obviously. I mean, if the government knows people are armed, they're less likely to do these awful things that we're possibly, you know, could exist out in the future somewhere. And so having arms, good idea, and being prepared, good idea, but, you know, thinking about it constantly, making it your hobby, I think that's a problem, because if this is all you're thinking about and all you're spending your time contemplating is what's going to happen when, you know, the shoe drops and you start killing people. I, I don't know if that's the I most think productive guns use of your good brain hobby. time. I think guns are a fine hobby. Oh, if, yes. you wanna, if you want to make, you know, once a week you want to go out and put holes in paper, I'm okay with that. I think that's a fine skill to, to master. However, if your motivation behind it, and this is what you really have to look at, is a seething hate for the police or the BATF or, uh, you know, you pick your government or organization, that... That is an unproductive place to come from. Yeah, and I don't think there's any anything really productive in talking about the ideas of violent revolution because it again just puts you in a category of the you know the crazy nut, and it doesn't do our movement any good whatsoever when we could be talking about peaceful solutions, peaceful ideas, non-cooperation, civil disobedience, which is what you're advocating. You're advocating that people that would normally just be talking about violent revolution actually shut the f up and and do something about the current situation we're dealing with, do something in a peaceful manner, which these people don't have that mindset, so Some, it's no, not well, what they are. I mean, for, by, for the most part, you're right. The, the, the nutty whack jobs who essentially it's a hobby for them, or they're just polishing their guns and they like the idea of wasting people, they're not people you want in your movement anyway. Not at all. So it's probably better that they sit in the middle of the woods somewhere <laughs> and think about shooting somebody, which they will yeah. probably never, ever do. But on the other hand, I don't know. I think that the fact that there is some kind of a militia movement in this country, whereas there wasn't in Great Britain to the same extent there, at all that I know of, there wasn't in Australia. I think to some extent it's those fringe guys who talked about those ideas. They're the reason that we still have much semblance of a Second Amendment left at all. I really think that the government, to some extent, did want to avoid more Wacos and Ruby Ridges, and they, you know, essentially they they backed off the gun thing because that's what set the gun guys off. You know, to some extent, I think that's the reason we still have the Second Amendment rights that we have left. I mean, I mean, through peaceful activism, the NRA, Gun Owners of America, they've done a lot. People like um, Dick Heller, who's a Free State Project member, mm -hmm. you know, taking things to court, actually, you know, trying to get bad laws overturned. That is more productive, and that's what I'd like to see people doing. But I can't yeah. say that, you know... The, You're the, saying the there's some value to it, and I agree with you. You're well, saying I mean, I think that how, with, it, with an armed citizenry, the government is constrained. They know they can't just 
kick people right. around like dogs to the same extent that they can when they're unarmed. Well, you remember the uh, the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina? There was a video, which was really just a mind blower, of the uh, the National Guardsmen walking through a Louisiana neighborhood and confiscating people's weapons from them. But there was one guy who refused, to, at least one guy on the video, who refused to turn over his weapons. He was standing out in front of his house, essentially yelling at these people, you know, over my dead body, you're not getting my guns, you know, flip off, basically. And they didn't get his guns. They didn't make a move on that guy. And so what you're saying is these these people that are willing to hold that line have some level of value in that the government knows it can only push so far. And I agree with you. Um, but I think that the time for those people to be most visible, I think, is at the time when the government makes makes that push. Otherwise, you just sound like a, you know, a loudmouth, basically. Yeah, just go away. Just wait for that day. <laughs> Yeah, basically, that's what I prefer people to do is just if that's your thing and that you're just going to sit there and polish the gun and wait for that day, you know, maybe you mean it. But just, you know, if that's all you're going to talk about, don't make me look like a crazy. Just stay <laughs> stay away from me. Basically. And and I think there also might be some value in having those people um, coalesce and and gather in a similar area. Why? Um, so the government can go fire. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't mean all <laughs> hanging out on the same piece of property. I mean, spread out throughout something like New Hampshire, because, I mean, the reality is if you're living in a place where all of your neighbors are giving up their guns and you're the only one who doesn't. Well, when you draw that line, you're probably going to go down in a hail of gunfire, whereas if you're surrounded by other people who have a similar mindset, maybe there's a, a better New likelihood. New Hampshire that... sure isn't the place to confiscate guns. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if, you, if, the, if the cops or the, uh, the, the stateies or whoever it is you're dealing with doing the confiscations knows that they're dealing with a well-armed populace that is really ornery about their gun rights, they're going to be really, really cautious, whereas if what they're getting is people just handing them over, which is what they got in Louisiana – then they're going to be pretty brazen. So I think there is some value to having, uh, to being prepared and 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 to letting people know that you are, uh, that you are armed, but at the same time keeping it somehow on the down low. I don't know if I'm even making any sense at this point. I th- I think that I think the general idea here is, um, don't be a nut job. There you go. <laughs> you can you can have a little bit of nuttiness I'm in there, you. but but don't foam at the mouth. Uh, yeah, be it. a well-armed, respectable individual, right? Yeah, and don't resort to violence unless there's no other option and so not I, acting I used is to worse. I have a friend who, uh, when every, I don't think it was when he got drunk, but definitely when he smoked <laughs> pot, he would bring out and it was, you know, he would go to his house, I'll be back in a minute, and then he would, <laughs> which wasn't too far, and he would come back with something uh, that I couldn't identify that, you know, looked like a bad-assed weapon, uh, you know, some... Let's. I don't know. I don't even know what to call them. Let's call an HK93. Um, you know, he would bring this badass weapon out, and you know, while sitting there on drugs, play with it and stuff like that. And it that's, really bothers me. Yeah, that's that would make that's me quite not uncomfortable. Responsible. I think you're a lot no. more likely to kill yourself playing with a gun while you're high than you are to ever die at the hands of the state. Yeah. Well. There you go. All right, so the number here is 603-435-1105. This edition of Free Talk Live, this extended Internet edition, brought to you by the CD Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. Yep, that's right. And, uh, you know, since we're uh, talking about uh, how big government can get in the way of things, here's an email from Robert. He says, here in Germany, 
there are three things about the German government system that really tick off most Americans. Although I could easily expand this list into hundreds of separate rules and regulations here that would infuriate most Americans, in the uh, interest of saving time, I will confine myself to only three for now. Here in Germany, you're required to pay a tax to the church you are a member of. When a foreigner wow. moves to Germany, you are required to register with the government to obtain a living permit. <laughs> One of the questions that they ask you is what religion you practice. You are not permitted to live. Not having gone to church for around 20 years, I answered, answered Lutheran, simply because I had been baptized in the Lutheran church as a child. Okay. You cannot the, answer atheist? I would, uh, I don't know. This, look, it doesn't sound that way. Um, I would have end up answering Methodist from that because I was, you know, grew yeah. up in the Methodist church. I can't answer pantheist for that? I would answer none of the above. <laughs> Well, if if you were uh, – anyway. Then they I, tax you more. As I began working for a German company, when I got my first paycheck, I saw that a tax was taken out of my check for the Lutheran church. I then found out <laughs> that it was because I claimed to be a Lutheran when getting my living permit. Wow. Living permit. So That's when crazy. I, I went back to the government office <laughs> to complain, and they sent me to another office and then another and another, only to find out – that I was required to fill out a form withdrawing myself from the church and pay a fee for of almost $100. Seven years later, my fiancé came to me uh, from the Ukraine for uh, marriage, and I had to take her to the same office to obtain her living permit. Having forgotten about the church tax problems, <laughs> I did not tell my wife in advance to say um, what to say to answer this question. The bureaucrat, in asking all the required questions, asked what religion my wife was, and my wife immediately answered Orthodox. Before I could say anything, I very quickly um, before I could say anything, I very quickly said my wife has no religion. In which the bureaucrat replied that my wife answered Orthodox. She is required to enter this into the computer, and the only thing that we can do at this point was to go to the other office, pay one hundred dollars to withdraw her from the church in order <laughs> to not pay the tax. But wait, you have to be on, in a church, right? You don't have to be. You can withdraw, but you have to now because she had said it. Uh huh. It'll cost her. It'll cost her. Needless to say, I was livid. I demanded to see the boss, who kept me waiting for two hours. <laughs> I refused to pay the fee, argued and argued and so on and so on. In the end, they relented, and, and I didn't have to pay the 100 bucks. How about that? The fact is, they trick you here, not explaining beforehand that you will have to pay a church tax. Now, I see today in the local newspaper, Munich, uh, politicians complaining that the churches are too full of, uh, for Christmas services. So what's their plan? They want to bar the non-church taxpayers from attending the services. Only taxpayers should be allowed in because it isn't fair to the taxpayers that non-taxpayers come in and get seats. That makes sense. Well, some taxpayers have to stand. Well, you just don't care because it's a church. No, that <laughs> no makes it, sense. Makes, it makes sense, I guess. If it's a government church and you pay taxes and you're exempt from the taxes, no services. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, they don't take collections? Only in uh, such a screwed-up system should the, uh, could the politicians even consider asking passing a law like this. I won't go into details. Oh, it is screwed up. Uh, explaining why this is screwed up, I will let Ian and Mark do that for me in their show. They will do a fine job of this, I'm sure. The third and last thing for now is the other new law that they're trying to pass, trying, because of the financial crisis the government is demanding, interest-free loans for any government agency, state, city, uh, federal. On top of this, they are trying to pass a law requiring everyone with more than 750,000 euros net worth to loan 2% of their net worth to the government for the next 15 <laughs> years at a rate of 2.5% interest. 
Come That's on. That's crazy. Like you're ever going to get that back. You, had you might get it back. It's a 2.5%. They're going to print it out. 2.5% interest rate. You probably won't beat inflation. Yeah, no. Wait, can they print it out? Or no, they go, they're under the euro now, so they can't print out their oh, own money? Oh, good point. Good yeah, they point. can. Euro, the, the euro is a central fiat currency. Yeah, but the European bank has to approve it, not Germany. Right, so that's why Germany has like to go Iowa through like Iowa now. Oh, that's interesting. Now that you, That's uh, why they have to go through this loan nonsense instead of just printing out but, the money. He makes the point here. Now, you know that inflation being much higher than 2.5% would mean a loss for everyone required to pay this. Mm-hmm. So even so, you'll wow. still lose. Again, I won't go to de- details of the absurdity, absurdity of this. As an aside here, um, they're also trying to pass a law forbidding pedestrians to smoke in public. and um, That's probably coming here soon. Yeah. Certain places. Anyway. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's really the end of it. He was just uh, leaving a note for me at the end of this. But um, (laughs) I can imagine that's where California is going right quick. Hey, Mark, don't we have books to give away? Can we give away some books, or is that, like, off off the table for the show? Yeah, let's give away the books. Okay, because you've got books to do. Get that ready. Coming up, we've got... We're going to do all five. Are we going to do all five here? You want to? It's the easiest way to do it. Might as well do it. Uh, It's going to be first come, first serve, and we'll give you the details in a moment. But I've got an email that is just... It's so brilliant, but it's also lengthy, so I didn't really feel like it should be read on the real show. I mean, it's just so uh, so. It's probably one of the most intelligent emails I've received in a long time. Rillian uh, writes it. Oh, she's a smart girl. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. She makes she's made me look silly on the BBS a couple. All of times. All right, she says, guys, I listened with interest to your conversation with Jan last night or whenever this was about predestination and what it means for free will. Since Jan is an atheist, I think, or Jan, rather, I think what he was talking about would be better called determinism, since predestination means or implies that there's someone who creates the destination. It also has an implication of fatalism, which I'll talk about in a moment. But determinism is really the better word for it. Determinism is the idea that at any particular moment, there is exactly one possible future. That means that if I offered Ian a selection of differently colored paint chips and asked him to pick one, and he chooses purple, then there's a very real sense in which he could not have chosen otherwise. And that's not actually a threat to free will at all. Rather, free will requires it. Let me explain. She says, you guys had a good exchange about how theoretically it would be possible to know with certainty that something is going to happen if you have all of the facts of the universe at your disposal, including things that is not even possible for humans to know right now. And that is true. But it's also true that for most events that happen, you really don't need to know all of the facts. For example... The fact that there was a guy in London named Robert who wore a purple sweater yesterday is probably irrelevant to Ian's choice to pick the purple paint chip, unless Robert happens to be Ian's friend or Ian saw him on TV yesterday or something like that. What's much more likely to be relevant is what Ian's own favorite color is, or perhaps Julia's, or maybe the color of the walls in the room in which he's making his selection. If I wanted every available piece of information that might contribute to Ian's choice of the purple chip, it would be a huge amount of information. But it wouldn't be all information possible. The reality is, we walk around all of the time with an intuitive sense of how things work, and that intuition tries to minimize the amount of information that we need to make accurate predictions. If Mark is standing near a ramp with a ball at the top and asks me what will happen if he pushes the ball toward the ramp, I can recruit my intuitive physics to make a good guess that, absent trickery, the ball is going to roll down the ramp, possibly off the ramp, onto the ground. 
This is because my intuitive physics tells me that things uh, tells me things like that when an object is at rest, being pushed by a heavier object tends to put it into motion, and that inanimate objects usually stay inanimate, so the ball isn't going to hop down the ramp and into my hand. We also have an intuitive mathematics, intuitive psychology, and intuitive biology, which show up at a very early age, infancy for infancy for physics, but the others are harder to test that early. Humans walk around every day acting as if everything in the universe is determined. The idea of someone acting without any reason doesn't make sense. We search for motives, conditioning, neurological or genetic explanations, anything that will tell us why a person is acting a certain way, especially when the behavior in question is something terrible that we want to prevent from happening again. In your discussion, Nick brought up quantum randomness, but the problem is that randomness doesn't work as a backdoor to free will. A random person would be a truly disturbing person to be around, as they could not have any goals. They would not respond to any positive or negative consequences for their behavior, and would therefore be very likely to harm themselves and anyone else who gets close enough. Randomness does not provide reasons for doing things, rather it takes them away. This is why we can't look to randomness for freedom. Determinism also doesn't entail fatalism. It doesn't mean that we're like people in a movie who try to do anything they can to avoid dying, but death relentlessly pursues them. That's what fatalism is, the idea that no matter what you do, things are going to happen in a certain way. In a deterministic world, by contrast, the things you do matter very much. Being human, having a big, uh, a big brain as we do, means that we're able to do things like consider what-if scenarios, contemplate the possible consequences of our actions, and make decisions about what would be most prudent or moral based on that contemplation. We appear to be the only species which has evolved this capacity, which is the premise of Dan Dennett's book Freedom Evolves. Because of these capabilities, we're able to respond to our environment in ways that correspond to the goals we're pursuing and modify our behavior if the conditions or the goals change. This is how living in a deterministic world enables us to have free will. Determinism means that our conscious decisions are part of the casual network of the, or rather causal, network of the universe, not supplanted by it or authoritative over it, but part of it. That's the kind of free will we should want to have, and luckily it's the kind of free will that we do have, not something supernatural and not something mechanical. If there is an omniscient God out there, then he or she must surely be watching our ongoing lives as if watching a rerun of a soap opera. We have never seen the story before, but he or she has and knows exactly what's going to happen. This doesn't remove the freedom that we have to make our own choices, but maybe it should make a person want to sit down with God and ask why he knowingly created a world in which you would accidentally wet your pants in school in the first grade, let alone one in which suicide bombings occur. If this God does exist, then I don't really think that his or her existence really adds anything to the universe. It just makes God essentially a universal voyeur, camped out in front of the celestial monitors watching something similar to the Truman Show, but in which we are all individual Trumans rather than just one of us. I haven't written this to necessarily convince you that determinism is true, but mainly to give you a picture of what it's like and why we shouldn't feel threatened by it. The idea that determinism should make it possible for free will to exist is counterintuitive at first, but makes more and more sense the more you think about it. And I think it elaborates rather than diminishes the meaning, by, uh, the meaning we create by our existence. From Rillian. It it did sound smart at some point. I uh, you know like I would tune in and tune out. Of it. <laughs> I I I, I got to say. Well, you are doing something on your computer, which doesn't help. But but yeah, at, at some point I tuned in and tuned out. 
got something um, to say? Yeah, we should, we should I, I do, you, I, not I, me. Um, it's a good email. Um, the problem I have with the whole debate on determinism, I still use predestination, but determinism or free will, I... The problem I have with it is I don't think we can ever really prove it. I mean, if the idea is that everything that we have ever done has already been done, and we don't know it, but it's just playing like a movie, how are we ever going to know? If it's correct, we'll never be able to know. (laughs) And if free will is correct, I don't know that there's a way we'll ever know that either. You know, all I have done um, on the subject, I can't say I know enough um, to really comment on the science behind it. I've heard very smart-sounding physics guys argue the same points. And to be quite honest, there are some guys who believe in determinism where there's only one future. There are some guys who believe that... The multiple universes. Well, they call it many worlds um, because they don't like to say multiple universes. But, you know, basically every possible future is happening. Yeah. Everything's happening and has happened and whatever. It gets a little confusing. But basically... That's one way to, you know, preserve the idea of free will. And I've heard that the quantum issue. Um, Why does is my consciousness very, very split into the consciousness that it's in now? I mean, wait, wait, it, what? Ask that again. You're why asking is, the why cosmic my, why. Why now? is my consciousness split into the consciousness that it is now? Because why it, is your it, consciousness right, the one that split. I'm sitting here, the one that's talking to you right yeah. now, that believes that you're real and not some phantasm with that <laughs> ugly <laughs> ass shirt of yours? Hey, hey now. <laughs> the um. <laughs> I'm going to get Julia in here to I, please to don't bait do you not turn to turn Julia on me. Um the the, the fact is that they, what they claim in this mini worlds theories is that I was together at you know a few minutes ago before I made a decision whether or not to call that an ugly shirt. Uh, you know I I was together with a clearly a smarter uh, <laughs> personification of myself that split in a moment's time off into another one of these mini worlds. Is is that basically the idea? You you were together, right? So my consciousness stayed with the stupid yeah, yeah. Mark, and the smart one left, right? But <laughs> it has its own consciousness. Why is why am I sitting here? But I mean, obviously the other one's out asking the same question, but I don't feel like I'm that other one. I mean, to me, this is a bunch of abstract gobbledygook. Well, some people will claim that time doesn't exist, and. There's no actual flow to time. It's just the human mind doing it. Then how do people get late? Get to be late? Because I know when somebody's late and I hate their ass for it. Because it was always going to happen that way. Oh, God. You were, such nonsense. See, you are late for an appointment next week. We're just... You're... Consciousness isn't in that moment yet. Uh, it's happening I've solved my late, at the same time. problem by stopping making appointments. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, the idea is that you're late for that appointment... And whatever happened last week to you is still happening, just not now here. I okay. don't know. It's confusing. Uh, 603-435-1105. If you've got comments on this, Saife uh, is one of my producers here, says, It didn't split into another world. The first mark split into two, neither the copy of the other. If that makes any sense. Does that make any sense? It split into the two. He says it didn't one, split it... into another world. The first mark split into two, neither the copy of the other. One is not the copy of the other. Um, yeah. So so essentially that, the no, idea it doesn't, is, it doesn't make any sense to me at all because basically the other mark you, is living face, in another world. Can you world. call and explain this? He's he's linking to me six zero three four three five eleven five. Like I'm going to read whatever you're linking. Ba- right, I basically, I think the idea the is that in that moment, two two histories of the universe were created. 
one that le- I don't know. In That's every one single moment, though, I mean, th- 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 let's let's drill this down here. Uh, I mean, this is such a it's such an expansive concept. I mean, right. it, we're talking about the concept of infinity, infinity, you know, infinity to the infinity, densities I mean, of infinity. In, in every in every moment, there are so many different <laughs> options, and the idea would be that you know, in some other universe, Mark is the pre- you know, there's the president, Mark, president of the United States, uh, and the other one, Mark is an evil, you know, an evil. Di- well, I repeat myself. Uh, and, and you know, in the other moment, uh, Mark is you've got blonde hair and and blue eyes and and uh, you're 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 short. I mean, there are all kinds of permutations that is are there, possible. Is there a universe where I'm dating Julia and wearing a silly jacket? I, I mean, presumably <laughs> yes, right? I mean, pre- presumably there are infinite possibilities. In this concept, I mean, it's really mind-blowing to think about. And, uh, you know, I really loved was that uh, that YouTube video with the ten dimensions where they talk about... Have you seen this yet, Nick? I think so. It's awesome. Uh, it's one of those, I you know... I listened to the first couple of seconds of it, and then it was, I was done. It's one of those mind-benders. And the, the idea is that... Once you get up past uh, a certain level of, you know, we're looking at this universe and all the possible permutations of it, and then they suggest that there could be other infinite universes with different rule sets. So, like, here we've got gravity and we've got, you know, all the, this certain set of rules that we're used to. Well, there could be other completely different universes that are have completely different rule sets and, as a result, have completely different infinities. You know, all so there could be infinite universes out there in this infinite concept. And it's really just uh, amazing to think about. And, and are they splitting off with every single decision you make? How does that work? Who the hell knows? And don't, can we ever prove it? I don't know. Don't think about it too hard because you might make yourself psychotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think some people have had those moments and where I they think, think a little too hard about why they're here. I don't know, but you're here, so let's just let's just enjoy it. Let me tell so, you, there I'm was sort one of time. of that opinion because I'm <laughs> yeah. I, I think that this like when you say psychotic it means that uh, you're you're viewing the world from such a different angle that people consider it to be crazy. I mean, you're so far from the norm that it's crazy. Right. What is the point of that? Is it going to make you any money? A uh, very very unlikely. Yeah. Um is it going to get you a, a girlfriend? No. As a matter of fact, it's unlikely to get you a girlfriend. Yeah. Now, there's there's the there's the odd girl out there. She's a very special lady that this might uh, work on. Um, but you know, I don't I don't know. I, I don't see the point of it. And there's a lot of questions out there. There's a lot of whys that we can figure out the answer to someday. Let's let's focus on those because I don't really see the point of thinking about something that I'm still not going to know the answer to when I'm dead. And yeah, <laughs> well, maybe it you will like, know. Now, now, isn't Maybe. science... Will it, it make a big difference, though, if we decide that, okay, determinism's real, so <laughs> everything's already... Is it really going to change how people act in their everyday lives? No. This if is an did, academic conversation. I mean, if it did, it was always going to happen anyway. Yeah. So what's the, the conversa- point? Well, yeah, I mean, the conversation is just to, you know, just for the point of, of conversing. I mean, really, it's just kind of fascinating to, to think about these things. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, hello, you're on the air. Free Talk Live, extended edition, brought to you by cdevolution.org. Hey guys, it's Cliff from Miami. Cliff, what's up? Actually, yeah, just thinking about what you guys were talking about, I, the first thing I will figure this thing out will make a whole lot of money because um, you could take parallel universe vacation. A parallel universe <laughs> vacation. That. How would you get there? Yeah, well, I mean, well, aren't I, I already there? Well, then, well, let's imagine. Well, how about this? You can actually transfer your current consciousness from wherever it's at right now into the parallel universe where you're the rich millionaire. Libertarian guy. So know. if you if you prove that it's there, it doesn't it doesn't get you there? I mean, I know that Asia exists. I am not there. 
Right, but what if I could figure out a way to, well, let's say, invent a plane and get you to Asia? That would be pretty <laughs> impressive. Kind of concept. Well, that's what it would be. The guy that could figure that part out, I guess, would be rich. But yes, no, he the would. Idea, I mean, the idea, is, the, the idea is really intriguing, to be honest with you. I've, I've kind of looked into it. I think it's very interesting, and it makes some weird sense, you know, that every possible outcome to a thing may have actually existed because, you know, who knows? You know, like, for instance, something else I've always thought about, which you know, is kind of weird, but, you know, like when we take a look at other galaxies, what if the other galaxies that we, that we think we're looking at are really just another reflection of this, our galaxy? But in a different, you know, in one of those different universes, and like colliding galaxies would be colliding universes. I mean, there's just not enough information. We just don't know enough about these things to know whether or not it's true or even exists. Uh, Ian, can you cue up the bong hit? Ah, uh, there's a bong <laughs> hit in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, though. It's fun to talk about these things. Yeah, it's very existential. I'm about to get high. I don't know about half an hour, but not yet. <laughs> it's it's very existential. It's it is interesting, but I do agree, Nick. That I mean, if you just continually think about things like this, I mean, you'll just go off the deep end uh, because there is no real answer. I mean, you can fathom it as much as you want to, and when will you ever know for sure? When it's too, you, you know, know, you're when, never never any way to be sure. I don't the sciencey yeah. ones that I like are when you talk about how I'm going to live forever. The nanobots well, technology, <laughs> the the twisting around the DNA, how you know, just the idea that I could possibly live for hundreds of years, that's cool to me. You know, there is no practical application well, for my life of multiple universes. Well, the only thing about yeah, it is, what, is it good to have something to wonder about, though? Like, if we could figure everything out, what happens then? Well, that's yeah, why boring. God created women. That's yeah, but that's a long way away. But no, I think it is important because it's, it's kind of like... Julia the, looks the, pissed. The, the, it's kind of like looking oh, at okay, the... okay, that's the, good. The, She's not. Sorry, sorry Cliff. The moon and, nah, sorry, sorry. Go on, my guys. It's like looking at the moon and saying, hey, is the moon made out of cheese? And one day you decide, hey, you know what? Let's try to figure out how to get to the moon. And you eventually do get to the moon. And you I see some value in that. You're right. Yeah, You're right. it's the same kind of concept, you know? So yep. that's it for me. Hopefully somebody else will call in and add some more to this. Thanks, Cliff. Appreciate okay. it. Well, you know, once we get to the point of being able to understand things like that, then who knows what new abilities we'll have at that time and, and where we could go uh, from there. I mean, Mark, you talk about the idea of uh, living forever, and we've discussed this before on the program, and I the, the first thing I think about it, you mentioned time earlier. If you can live forever, what does that do to the concept of time? It I mean, <laughs> certainly doesn't make it as important to uh, get to the things done that you need to get done right, right. away. I'll get it done in another 100,000 years, fine. you know? <laughs> well, I, I don't think that, you know, the way you had discussed it, and now you're talking about some some way that I'm I'm going to be, I'm a long way from, the way that it had sort of been discussed, and we had that uh, the one doctor fellow on the show that, uh, you know, is uh, getting people, you know, the Eternal Life Foundation or whatever the, the heck they're they're doing. You know, the idea is is they'll slowly, incrementally increase your lifespan, not, um, you know, all in once. I'm going to go from, you know, But living. no, he'd also said that it will it'll be slow in the beginning, but then it'll uptick to the well, point where you well, live forever. The, the, the thing is, you add 100 years to your lifespan now, but before you reach the end of that 100-year lifespan, That's, it's another 200 years, right, another right. 400. I, I guess I didn't express that right. properly, but... I, do, I won't right now. Um, all I'm going to look at is another hundred years. So I'm going to you know start. You're not going to make another hundred. You don't think it's going to be me? It's no. just going to be you. Mean lifespan? No, I I don't know that I'm going to make it to 170 or something. Are you kidding me? Mean, Nanobots? No, uh, they're going to. The technology like, is yeah, just it's here. It's, it's whipping around. Soon. Mean yeah. lifespans have increased. 
Yeah, but the extreme lifespans are the same as they were 100 years ago. People were living to 115, 120, 100 years ago. They haven't been able but they're to talking about, But now, they, they, 100 years ago, they weren't manipulating DNA. They didn't have nanobots, whatever the hell those things are. I, I, I don't know what these things are, but uh, technology has gotten to some point where technology is. And I understand you're a fatalist atheist that wants to go into no. the ground and get eaten by worms. I will go into the ground and get eaten by worms. <laughs> but, but what happens to your consciousness after that? That's, that's a good question, question. right? I mean, um, because if it, if science can somehow prove that consciousness goes on beyond uh, your point of death, but what there, would that mean for an atheist? Is, uh, wouldn't mean much. It means I won't be dead in the cold, cold ground. That's uh, that'd be exciting. I mean, yeah. it would. I shouldn't say it wouldn't mean much. Uh, it would mean a great deal, but I don't think I'm going to know till I'm dead. <laughs> My point is, even if you have the nanobots and the genetic manipulation. Even if they could push your theoretical lifespan out to infinity, an accident or something bad's probably going to get you by, I don't know, the first thousand years, right. two thousand years. You will be dead. The, and absolutely so I think true. Should, I don't think people want to make it uh, infinity. Not if but, I can download my consciousness into the internet. I don't. Some people try to hide from death with this whole futurism thing, and they think it's a bad thing. I think you should live like you're going to die because. Even if you don't People die tomorrow, do you live really? naturally like they're going to die. Let me put my hands around your neck and squeeze and see if... I mean, everybody lives like they're going to die. Yeah. Now, I'll grant you that they have a certain amount of hope. And they should, because they will the, be dead. Look at the Christians. I mean, you, you know, when you say that you believe in eternal life, but they still look way, both ways before they cross the street. I mean, <laughs> let's... No, 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 no. People are operating right now like they are not going to live forever. All right, guys. I mean, there's, there's religions already that, that say that they're going to live forever. This is a good and, conversation. Superior bodies. But it's getting late. It's so we gotta wrap it up. In yeah. this universe, it's time for me to go to bed. Yeah, Julia's right. got to cut some copy too. Well, oh, great. if she agrees, that's all we need. It's, it's just more it's work. Just a little tiny one. All right, so we're uh, we're about done, but you got to give away the books before we go. Oh Mark. yeah. So we've got books. What is it? Uh, how do they get it? Okay, um, book. This one is f- the, the 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 book is entitled "Finally Thin." We do not have uh, it sitting in front of us, but I can I will get it shipped to you. Uh, you'll have to give us your name and address. Um, on the, uh, you know, chiming in, I'll let you know whether you're one of the first five people that have uh, sent me an email asking for it. This is not going out on the radio. It is no. Podcast only going only. to live stream. Well, live stream. The streamies can get it now if they do it streamies, now. Yeah, stream, streamies are, uh, you know, in, in advance. Uh, podcast listeners, chances are very good that if it's been 24 hours from uh, 11.10 p.m. on 1.13.09, that you're not going to get it. But you can send hurt. me an, you can send me an email anyway, and I will uh, tell you you didn't win. What's the book about? Uh, finally thin. My guess is that uh, you don't even know. Well, I, no, I don't. <laughs> How would I? You, you don't know. Maybe the, the do you publisher see told you something here? about it. Normally, I do. <laughs> no, I don't do have. We know finally the author. Th- I, I only have Finally Thin. Okay. And I think it's it seems to me that it's probably a weight loss book. Doesn't no, that sound? I, uh, I don't know. It, it could be fiction. It could be. Um, it could be science. Like about infinities. <laughs> I doubt it. It sounds like a diet book to me. You uh, can't All win right, this unless you've, uh, if you have won anything mm-hmm. within the last 30 days, and I don't think we've got anything way away. Finally, Thin, how I lost over 200 pounds and kept them off? Yes, that Is sounds it? right. All right. Um, but recall that I'm going to be giving away a bunch of books in the future. If Finally, Thin isn't exactly the kind of book that you want to get, you shouldn't write in because mm. I can tell you next week there's a doozy coming up.
one that I'm, you know, that, that I'm going to read and get and, and, and I'm looking forward to. Thank you to the cdevolution.org uh, CD fund for supporting this uh, extended edition, which yep. has actually gone on longer than an hour. cdevolution.org. People need to email you if they want the Finally Thin book. They're the first five emailers to mark at freetalklive.com. That's mark at freetalklive.com. And, uh, by the way, don't forget to visit Nick online at freemindstv.com. Thanks to him for hanging out extra tonight. And we will see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.